This is Cinema Degeneration. There is a man, alone in the dark with a head full of the unknown. A vault of horrific thoughts hidden from the world. Another stalks him through the shadows. Watching. Waiting. Burning to crack the lock of his skull. Plunge his questing fingers inside and dissect the mysteries within. And tonight, the hunter will spring his trap without warning. Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degenerations Without Warning, the show where we're surprised almost as much as you are. And uh, this is a special show, you know, we've done several of these so far, but we're, we're flipping the script and doing something a little bit different. Normally, uh, I will call my good friend Corey Dawson here, by the way. How are we doing tonight, Corey? Doing all right. Making my way through the deluge. <laughs> yeah, drive safely, man. Drive safely. Oh, of course. But This uh, helps yeah. my focus. This will help my focus. Most people, <laughs> it would divert... Most people, it will divert their focus. This actually uh, sharpens my focus. So there you go. Well, good, good. Glad to hear it. And for those of you that might be just uh, just tuning into this show and just tur- turning into the, you know, this is like the fourth or fifth episode I think we've done. What I normally do here is I will call my friend here uh, randomly. Like we, we, he knows that I'm going to call him, but he doesn't know what the topic is going to be. It's usually, well, not usually. It's always a surprise. I, I su- surprise him I'm using air quotes here without warning, and what the show topic is going to be is usually Boom! yes, usually movie related, but not always. Usually a, a pop culture, you know, sensation of some sort. But we're doing something a little different today. I have a a, a notebook here filled with an even forty different show topics, so we got enough shows to go on for days, weeks, months, and probably even years. But I'm constantly adding more and more ideas to it in different show topics. But usually how we do things is, is I just pick a topic at random and surprise Mr. Dawson here with the uh, with the, the surprise show topic. But what we're going to do today, so I have no idea what the show topic is going to be myself. I am going to use a random number gem- generator on the show. Oh, I thought you might have been, I thought you were going to do the blind point. I like the uh, random number generator better. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, if, I, if I did a blind, blind point, then I would even have a kind of an idea what I was aiming for. I, I want to be completely taken off guard here. So we don't know how this is going to go because usually, you know, I'm the one driving the conversation and, you know, picking out questions. And I have a bunch of questions and topics all written down. But no, this time we do not know either one of us what the topic is going to be. So. Without further ado, thank you to Calculator.net for the random number generator. We're going here in three, two, one. We're doing show topic number 16. And all oh, 16. This is an interesting one. Uh, ooh, I don't know how many of these I, I, I know, know of, but we're going to go for it anyway. This is famous horror movie villains that are animals. So, oh, okay. you know, I, I, I guess uh, we, we can do, you know, any type of a, a creature, as long as it's a legit animal, like a, a dog, a cat, you know, birds and whatnot. So, so hybrid mutant animals don't count then? Um, I would say hybrid animals, but nothing like, you know, uh, you know, chupacabras. So not like or a space. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah, okay. le- legit like earth-based animals, just like uh, you know, dogs, cats, snakes, alligators, that kind of thing. All and right. I think well, I don't know where to start, but I got a plethora of ideas already racing through my head. Okay, uh, uh, can you repeat the question or repeat the topic? Famous animal villains. Okay, so uh, I guess famous is the biggest question I have. Does that mean like does, does famous mean mainstream or just uh, ones that have been talked about a lot or? Oh, either or, or. Or do you mean famous? Or do you mean famous as in uh, featuring prominently in the in the movie itself? Yeah, featuring prominently in the movie itself. I think about a soul okay. kind of animal. I'm thinking uh, like the first thing that comes to mind here for, for me is Cujo. Uh, strangely enough, that is not at all what came to mind for me. <laughs> well, what came to mind for you, sir? We'll get started here. Uh, what came to mind for me was the mutant grizzly bear from Prophecy. Oh, that's a good which one. Which has, you know, I never thought ever that there would be a sleeping bag death that would uh, rival the Jason, uh, the sleeping bag move that he does. The sleeping, the sleeping bag suplex, as I call it. Yeah. Um, the uh, Kane Hodder special. The Kane Hodder, uh, the 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 wind up and the pitch. Um, I and now that I think about it, uh, for some, I I thought it was a sleeping bag though. Because have you seen Prophecy, the movie Prophecy? I, I have, but you know, the last time I saw it was probably in the nineties. Uh, I, I remember vaguely John Frankenheimer directed it. Right. Yeah. So that was kind of no, it wasn't the beginning of uh, ecological horror, but that was a major. Whenever they talk about ecological horror in movies, that's a big one that comes up because it all has to do with the runoff and and how uh, how it affects the animals that live by this part of the river and creek. Right? I think it's a river that has a creek that comes off of it, and um, and Armand Asante plays an indigenous warrior. I think oh, he actually. Right. A, I think he actually uses a bow. Like it is, it is hilarious that guy. But he was totally stone cold serious about it. He he never made light of it. But uh, I I never forgot that animal because there was kind of a terrifying. Because in those movies, sometimes you know you see the thing, you try to kill it. You see the offspring, you try to kill it. In that respect, there was actually a, a absolute heart-wrenching decision because they saw the, the sort of i can't remember exactly what i know they're activists that right like, right sort of, but it seemed like the guy um he does wonderful books on tape i can't remember his name off the top of my head but he recorded the the audiobook of helter skelter and it's fantastic his voice is just resonant and he but it seemed like he was almost like a logging I can't remember. Or he was like a scientist who like followed around like logging companies or something and, and trying to take him to task for stuff or whatever. And they go down there and they actually end up finding some of the offspring. And I remember that being, it kind of wrenches your gut a little bit, but then when like the mama bear comes out <laughs> and I think that she may have actually had sort of like morphed offspring parts like coming out of her or like maybe parts of other animals and stuff. But I remember her completely wrecking somebody. There was like fluff from inside those padded uh, like in hindsight, I, I thought that it was a sleeping bag, but it could have been like a puffy jacket 
but I could have sworn it was a sleeping bag because she tears that son of a bitch apart. I yeah, remember I, that. I remember that movie vaguely, and now you've uh, inspired me to want to go and watch it again. I haven't. I, I bet you it's been twenty five plus years. I just remember that uh, a bit of trivia about it that always stuck in my head is that uh, the mutant bear, you know, that uh, I forgot what the hell they called it. It had some weird name that I can't pronounce, but yeah, I think that it was a, I think that it was a name in an Indian language. It mm -hmm. was like, they had almost like attributed like a God's name to it. I thought, but I just remember that, that the actor who was in the suit was Kevin Peter Hall and Kevin no Peter shit. Hall was the predator in predator one wow. and two. And Man, also that is great. And like Harry and Harry and the Hendersons. But he wasn't the alien, though, right? I thought the alien was an. Uh, I think that the, I thought that the alien was a, an African guy that couldn't even speak the language. In um, Predator? No, in Alien. Oh, Alien. Oh, no, no, he wasn't an alien. He was just in Predator, Predator okay. 1 and 2. Because I remember he and passed Harry away in the, the early 90s. Yeah, and Harry and Harry and the Hendersons. And he, he and that, that of, holds up. It holds up. Harry and the Hendersons holds up flat out for me. Now, not to divert the conversation from the prophecy, but we want to hit on a couple of other different movies here. Okay. And another one that I, I'm not sure without, again, I'm trying not to cheat here and look anything up. Do you remember Food of the Gods? I do. Um, and actually, I'm glad you bring that up because it, another one was inspired by me too. But uh, Food of the Gods was one I, um, I always get Food of the Gods and Night of the, the Lepus mixed up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I think it was practically the same thing yeah it, it was pretty much <laughs> i just couldn't i was trying to remember whether or not prophecy came first or food of the gods came first kind of that ecological horror boom of the mid to late 70s uh, i know they both I was, thinking, I was thinking that that uh almost a grizzly i was thinking that uh, prophecy came after food of the gods i thought the food of the gods was closer to the end of the 60s and Prophecy was closer to the mid seventies, or maybe mid to late seventies, but I honestly can't remember because I get me the mixed either, up. Me either. Lee. I just remember uh, like Food of the Gods two came out in like eighty eight, eighty nine, yeah. ninety or something. It was a it was a weird time. It was like ecological horror kind of like had moved on. So I, I, I just remember the image of that the that ten year old kid that's like eight eight and a half foot tall and bigger than everybody else after drinking the tainted milk. Oh my God. I, and that was a number two. That was a number two. Yeah. Because remember, okay, I, 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 just say, remember I don't remember that at all. In, in part one, I just remember it ending on that, uh, that shot of all the kids drinking the tainted milk. And then that they, you know, they promised a sequel. They didn't come for 10 or 15 years. And then they finally did do one. And it was just like, Oh, yep. That tainted milk, like fucked all these kids up. But yeah, I think Food of the Gods 2 might have been called Gnaw or something like that. And like the subtitle oh. is Gnaw, Food of the Gods 2. I just remember. Well, I have because to... that's loosely based on the H.G. Wells story, right? Right. Food the, of the Gods? Yeah, the first one is. The second one, kind of not so much. Okay. 
So the food of the gods has to do, was it like multiple different rodents? And then Night of the Lepus was just the rabbits? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Night of the Lepus was the rabbits. Which I always just so like, it's, you know, it's creepy as hell because when you think about it, rabbits are some bitey little motherfuckers. I had rabbits growing up when I was a kid, and they, they like to bite, and they bite hard. And you can imagine a, a giant rabbit would be terrifying. But to me, like, <laughs> unless I saw one in real life, it just kind of makes you want to laugh. Big fluffy, floppy-eared bunny rabbit coming at you. But when they're frothing at the mouth and they're like, you know, 18 feet tall, that's a different story altogether. So was there a central uh, was there a central m- mouse in Food of the Gods? You know, no, I don't believe there was. I'm pretty sure if there was just uh, like a swarm of them, if I'm remembering correctly. That's another one that I haven't seen in oh god, again, probably twenty some odd years. This one, I I own Food of the Gods too. I got it on uh, VHS that I got randomly at the Goodwill. But uh, well, I, I have, I'd have to say. That I have that has uh, inspired two uh, central rat characters that I I dearly love, and the first one is the original Willard that has uh, Socrates and Ben, and when Willard Styles ends up finding uh, his his mother, and this is for the audience. I don't know. I'm sure you know all about it, but with the with the, the mother, she's sort of bedridden, but at the same time, she's sort of domineering in this cloying sort of soft way. And he and she tells him to, you know, take care of all this stuff and around the house. But, and then there's rats in the, it's like this weird old fountain area. And she tells him to get rid of them, but he doesn't. And the rats sort of recognize him as their benefactor. So then they just start spawning and stuff. And he keeps them all as sort of his friends and his army. And Socrates and Ben are sort of like the the figureheads of the group. And Socrates is the the white sort of calmer, softer one. And Ben is sort of the more aggressive, uh, insistent one. So he brings them to work. And then his horrific boss, Ernest Borgnine, ends up... Uh, doing ill towards Socrates, so then Ben falls in the line, which is almost kind of like, in a really strange way, it kind of has like a Lord of the Flies quality, where you kind of had two leaders, one is a little bit more peaceful, and one is, you know, one's the hawk, one's the dove, and then the dove ends up getting taken out of the picture, so the hawk takes over, and it almost sort of takes over Willard, too. In my opinion, is... Sorry. And I was just going to ask, now, I, I I get him mixed up Willard came first, and then the sequel, Ben, came uh, is second, right? Isn't Ben the, the that is official correct. sequel? Okay. I, yes. I usually get those two mixed up. Well, the, the way to distinguish them is Willard isn't in the second film, and it takes place more in, like, the the sewers. Right, And there's right. a child. I, I've actually, I'll be honest, I've never seen Ben. But Willard was one that I found in this really ratty clamshell and I had, because uh, my time in the basement, I had always seen um, these photo playbooks, and they had pictures of the Willard actor all over everything. And Ernest Borgnine always reminded me of my dad. So I was like, oh, wow, what's going on here? And it has to do with grass. And then, of course, uh, with the Mad Magazines that I came across, they always had Willard takeoffs 
in those. So it made me want to see the movie, but I didn't see that until uh, way later. And Sandra Locke, an early Sandra Locke uh, performance in it, as actually probably one of the most timid, friendly characters I've ever seen her play ever in anything. Yeah, timid but, and friendly uh, is not usually how I would describe uh, Miss Locke. Death Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if yeah. Awesome. I I I was I ended up finding that by mistake or not mistake, but by accident, and that was fantastic. Uh, but no, uh, did you ever see oh, the Colleen the, Camp? Blah blah boom. Did you ever see the remake of Willard with Chrisman Glover? I did. That that's what I was going to say next. I that was okay. I think that Chris. I think that Chrisman Glover is a national treasure. However, I think that that one fell victim to over sort of like overblowing things where in the past it was something like maybe 500 rats. And now it's like millions of rats that he had behind him. And also I always liked that Willard could have been a normal guy. When you saw him walking down the street, he could have been a normal guy, but Crispin Glover never ever plays a normal guy. I guess it's kind of that shining problem where Stephen King was sort of like, you know, if Jack Nicholson plays this father, everybody's going to know what's about to happen later on. Right, right. And I think the same thing with Crispin Glover. It would have been better if you'd have, like, if uh, if somehow you would have gotten, um, like, Anton Yelkin in there. Somebody who was more of an everyman. And then the turn happens, and then you see what he's capable of. Whereas with Crispin Glover, he's he's twisted from the jump, and... Also, yeah, I, think I, don't, I don't think how he would. I don't think he would even know how to play a straight laced character like at all. I think, actually, I think the closest thing he came to was in Jason, or was in uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Oh. Um, was that oh. three? Uh, part four, final chapter. Part four. <laughs> Using air quotes, air quotes here. Final chapter, right? Right. But uh, <laughs> the second one that was on my mind that I definitely wanted to say because. I think it is, it is clearly underappreciated and uh, underseen is, um, if I remember correctly, I think it's George Cosmatos uh, of Unknown Origin with Peter Weller. And that now, one okay, is... Now, that just, one I have not seen. I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it, but oh, I have man. never seen it. So much fun. It is Peter Weller, and I think he's like an ad exec, and his wife is Shannon Tweed. And oh. they have a daughter... Oh, yeah, man. It's great seeing Shannon Tweed not being used as an absolute bombshell. Uh, I, I mean, she's eye candy. Don't get me wrong. She's eye candy. But she's definitely a mother and she's a working woman and she's a, you know, and I mean, I, or I think she's she might be a housewife, but I thought she had things to do of her own. And I can't remember what it was, to be honest with you. But I don't, I don't think that she was just sort of like a trophy wife. Well, Peter Weller discovers that there's a rat in their condo and it takes over his waking life. He becomes obsessed with like the history of rats in order to like combat them. Like he becomes obsessed with this thing and it's really wet. Like there's a lot of glass surfaces in his apartment. So you see the rat walking around, you see like the moist feet, like, uh, yeah, like the, the footprints. Yeah, you see it all. And at one point, it, it is fantastic, man. At one point, he ends up putting together like this 
sport. It's actually, it's very Casey Jones-esque. He takes all the sporting goods shit that he can find in his little storage area, like in the basement of the building, and makes this like battle suit out of it. <laughs> and it's him versus the rat. And it is fantastic, man. I uh, love I gotta... that. I think he actually makes, I think he actually puts like uh, 10 penny nails through a bat and everything. It's so he, goes it, like, all ruins loose, he goes Lucille on it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It ruins his life. Like, I think he loses his job at the ad agency and his wife and daughter were sent away and just, it's crazy town. Fantastic. And Cosmatos, I think that might be the father of, uh, yeah. Panoche Cosmatos? Pan Panos? Yeah. Panos. Yeah, okay, the, yeah. The, so, the directed Mandy. Right. So fantastic pedigree on that guy. Uh, all together so yeah it's it's never talked about but i think there might be an arrow uh release of of unknown origin i'm not sure as always i'm taking it. a few notes uh, as we're talking because inevitably there's always something that you bring up that i've never either a ever read or b never seen so i'm making a, <laughs> a list uh another one erupted to mind although this isn't a movie as much as it is a uh a portion and it was one of the Stephen King chapters from Tales from the Dark Side with the cat from hell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, about the hitman uh, going, uh, the, the hitman. Right, William Hickey. And, uh, yes, and, and the Tales from the Buster Point. I guess expert. he wasn't going by, I guess he wasn't going by that. I guess it was David Johansson then, but. Uh, yeah, but I always know him as Buster Poindexter, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Is this like, dude, does anybody really call Paul Rubens Paul Rubens? No, they call him fucking Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> I have to admit, though, I, I have to admit, in Blow, I had to call him Paul Rubens. I was very impressed with him in that. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, Blow. Good movie. Good movie, sir. Fucking A. Fucking A. And I haven't seen it in a long time. But um, with uh, Cat from Hell, that was one that could have easily been silly as fuck. But somehow... Uh, that whole situation was cold as ice. I remember thinking that, I mean, that whole, which I guess in hindsight and kind of like behind the scenes, I guess that Tales from the Dark Side is really Creepshow 3. Oh, it is. But, it totally plays off like an official Creepshow 3, which uh, the real legit by name Creepshow 3 is a fucking travesty. Is it just a complete travesty? Oh my God, I travesty. didn't even bother. I didn't even fucking bother. And I, I don't, I don't know the entire story behind why that movie wasn't Creepshow 3, because it's written all over it. It's just written all over it. And I have to admit, I don't think there's a single portion of that show that I would leave out. I love that movie. What's the the, the one, and now we're getting a slightly bit off topic here, but then again, it's Sorry. our show. We can do what, what we want. Was it called Lot 249, the one with... Uh, with the mummy, uh, Christmas later. I love that one too. Oh, that's I love that one. That's my favorite of that of that series of that movie. Between uh, you know Christian Slater be, being in it, who I'm admittedly a big fan of his and still am. But that was well, the first I movie mean, that, I ever I saw love Steve Buscemi. Down, yeah, I I love that button down Steve Buscemi performance. Oh He's yeah, so smarmy and just like upper crust in that. What was the third portion? Oh, it was the one with the gargoyle that had uh, James Remar and Ray Don That's Chong it. in it. Dude, that one tore my heart apart when I saw that. Oh, the ending. And that was even before I was a father. Oh, wait now. Yeah. Wait, hold, hold up. Hold up now. Hold up now. Hold it now. 
let's not. Uh, I think that that's powerful enough. I, I don't know. If we gotta spoil that one. Yeah. Well, it's a movie that's thirty-three years old. I mean, I, we're not. I'm, how yeah, much are the real but I mean, I would like to think, uh, or I would, I wouldn't like to think this, but I do think that I, I think that's falling through the cracks slightly. I think that if you didn't have HBO at the right time, you might not have seen that one. Yeah, yeah, I remember going I to see that wrong. one in the theaters, and I could not convince anybody I knew at the time to go see it with me <laughs> because we no, nobody wanted to see it, and I was just like, uh, and Deborah Harry. You know, uh, oh, Mary from Blondie and the wraparound is, and I hate that little bastard. I hated all those Lawrence kids, but I love to see <laughs> him too. in the. I love to see him with the prospect of getting baked, not in yeah. a good way either. Yeah, yeah, getting so, baked uh, like as a Hansel and Gretel sort of way. Absolutely, and you know, I watched that show as a kid, and uh, later on, I got so lucky. My, uh, I actually watched it at my dad's late night when everybody would fall asleep, but. One day I came in, and for my birthday, Melanie had got me the entire Tales from the Dark Side television series collected. Nice. So that was nice. totally awesome. But um, it occurred to me that we cannot leave out Max from uh, Man's Best Friend, Lance Henriksen. Lance Henriksen and Ali Sheedy, yes. Oh, that's, a, that's one that plucks up my heartstrings, because... You know, I mean, like when it's about when it's a movie like you you mentioned Grizzly before, you know, briefly, you know, when it's a yeah. movie like that, when it's just, a, a you know, uh, a rampaging, you know, asshole of a monster <laughs> or asshole of, of an animal. But this poor thing and, and man's best friend didn't ask for any of that, didn't ask to be, you know, uh, created, didn't ask to be, you know, experimented on. And I have a soft spot for furry creatures and, and you know. In my life, uh, you know what it, just occurred to me? Lance Henriksen is the monster in that film, so maybe that was unfair. Maybe it's unfair to call Max a villain on that one. Yeah, I mean, there's really two villains in that movie. You got, I, I call, I would consider Max to be the reluctant villain. He, he's like the opposite of a reluctant hero. You know, he, he's doing bad things because he was just, you know, programmed that way. He's just a puppy. Yeah. You know, he's just, just a puppy. I loved all of his capabilities. That was my favorite part, is all of his cap- all When they kind of, like, do that little um, kind of getting to know you or Lance Henderson's, like, kind of showing him, like, the readout where it's like, you know, he's got the climbing claws of, like, a cougar. I think oh, that that was yeah. a very misleading cover. They kind of made him, like, Robo-Dog on the cover, and it's like, what the fuck? I was so... Uh, I was so uh, pleased that it wasn't that Robo Dog on the cover. Yeah, that, it, it, it kind of shown kind of almost like a metal face. But then he has, didn't he have like acid piss? Yep, he had acid piss because he used it at one time. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, man, I got to say, all honesty, her boyfriend deserved more than a little bit of acne scars from that. He totally pissed <laughs> in his face. Bullshit. <laughs> He should have had a fly too on that one. You know what? I, I almost said uh, Brundle fly too from fly too, but that's definitely not an animal that uh, makes sense. But, no, uh, no, I, I would say that one's kind of a, a, exempt from this uh, this list. But you know, I feel um, bad, bad for Max in, in the the whole run of things with uh, with that movie for the sheer fact that like for most of the movie he's just trying to protect Ali Sheedy. I forgot what her character's name was. Uh, completely, but but uh, neither do I. 
I don't remember. I don't. I, don't, I just remember Lance Henriksen and Ali Sheedy being in it, and I can't remember really anything. Else. But they kind of give you the Turner and Hooch because, like, he absolutely tow that fucking poodle up. There are a lot of people who say that that was a uh, that was a sex crime with uh, with that poodle in that movie, but I, I'm not so sure that there wasn't some consent at the beginning, but. She may have kind of like bitten off more than she can chew, no pun intended, on uh, <laughs> on, on Max's capabilities. But they had uh, beautiful little babies, and, but and no maybe uh, no sequel. But maybe if they're lucky, maybe if they're lucky, the little Max babies uh, would have a slight genetic change where they wouldn't require that because uh, they basically he basically said that he required some sort of a medicine to keep him from having like psychotic breaks and shit, right? Right, yeah, because that's why uh, the doctor Lance Anderson was trying to find him so he could give him his uh, his doses, you know, so that he wouldn't go, oh, you know, shit sideways. I mean, I like I like talking about Max rather than Cujo at length. I think because Cujo is so cut and dried that there isn't a whole. Because with Max, you see like his protective side. You see him like uh, befriending that child that isn't even her fucking child who like raised her fridge and shit. It's like a neighbor kid. <laughs> but but then uh, the mailman pisses him off. But the mailman struck first. The mailman struck first. On that one, so when yeah, that mailman ends like up getting the, fucking buried, it goes to prove to, to what I've always said that uh, man is a real monster. It's kind of like you you, sure. you had said earlier about uh, Lance Henderson just kind of the the villain in that movie, and you know, and, and he plays it off like he's you know doing it for the good of mankind, but he totally Who's is the best villain. Totally too? an asshole in the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the, you know, the, I've, I've often been told uh, by some of my acting friends and movie friends and whatnot that the best way to play a villain is you play it like they believe they're the sanest person in the room, and that's the best way to play a villain. And that's, you know, oh, absolutely. that's why Max, I'd like, it's a good movie to, to, to cover in this kind of topic, but I think you are right that uh, Max doesn't really qualify as a villain, but he is kind of murderous and he does kill you know, some people, but like, I kind of feel like for the most part, a few of the people really kind of deserve what they got coming to them. Um, I think in the same vein as, uh, sort of the, um, I mean, I guess that there's, there's a give and take and there's a psychic betrayal and there's a psychic jealousy, but I think that I would be remiss if I didn't mention Ella, the Capuchin from, uh, Monkey Shines on this one. Oh yeah, because well that's that's one we covered for uh, Romero Month, the Romero Appreciation Month. But that's a yeah, that's a that's a movie where like as we said on the show, as you, uh, me, and uh, Rebecca Reinhardt had said, you know, justice for Ella, because Ella was not the villain in that that movie. I mean, it may be a killer animal, but definitely not the the villain, at least not in my eyes. 
I think that with Ella, I think that there are, I mean, I guess it depends. If you're looking at the, the emotional drives of everyone in the movie, I think that we decided, and rightly so, that Ella was the one with the least amount of, with the most moral fiber out of anyone there. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, when she gets revenge, she, I mean, it's a pretty horrible, especially like later on. I think Ella even got revenge before they knew that the doctor may have uh, sabotaged uh, Alan's treatment to sort of get with uh, to get with the girl. So it's yep. hard to say how, how much Ellen knew, but she's definitely one of the most moral fiber. But I, I thought that I would be remiss because I was, I was thinking, okay, well, we talked about cats, we talked about mice, we talked about rabbits, we talked about the monkeys. But then I guess also you have to remember the most, uh, maybe one of the original most famous animal villains at all of all would be the uh, orangutan from uh, Murders in the Room Org. Oh, good one. That's a deep cut, sir. Yeah, I mean, that's that's easily one. I ended up getting a really awesome piece of Arthur Rackham art that shows uh, they've named the orangutan before, but I don't get a name in the story. But it shows him brandishing the razor, and that was such an interesting story. And it was uh, one of the only three stories involving uh, C. Auguste Dupin, who's one of my favorite detectives. Or uh, I guess he called himself a retrocinator. Okay, uh, what? But I think it's. I think he called himself a retrocinator, if I remember correctly, about retrocination. I might hmm. be saying it wrong, but um. Yeah, you went for yeah, a deep fact, cut there. I'm not so. I'm not sure myself. <laughs> well, they they've made a ton of uh of films from Murders in the Room Org. I think that the one that's the most respected might be the Jason Robards one, but it it deviates pretty wildly. Although I have to say. Oh, okay, so this is a big... Okay, I'm glad I've thought of this. I think that one of the most interesting versions of that is the Bela Lugosi version, which is kind of hard to find sometimes. Um, it's very early in his career, if I remember correctly, and it was pre-code. So there oh. are some seriously depraved illusions as to uh, whether or not the woman is sort of like sexually fascinated with the monkey and like sex death plus pain type of stuff. And Bela Lugosi is kind of acting as if he wanted to see like the uh, genetic offspring of the, the fem the female uh, protagonist and uh, the orangutan, which I think was like a really thinly disguised man in a costume. For oh, part yeah, of it. probably <laughs> there are there there are a lot of parts where you actually see the the thing, and I think they used a real one. And then when you when he has to do like specific things, then it's a man. But um, but yeah, I would I definitely wouldn't leave that out. That is a fascinating um, when you see the pre code stuff, you you can tell right away. Murders in the zoo, I think, is one of them. Well, I love where this guy runs up to the list, camera. Those lists of um, those old movies. Yeah, I pretty much keep like a list of the pre-codes and the video nasties like at the ready all the time to see if I discover something I haven't seen before. But when you see a guy in a black and white film uh, run up to the camera with his mouth sewed shut by his uh, by his romantic rival in the middle of the jungle, that's pretty hairy for those times. Oh, yeah. But, uh, it was something you weren't expecting from back in the day. Yeah, so I, I think that orangutan... 
orangutan uh, is uh, is a good one. Yeah, I think one I need to mention, and I'm not sure if, if this actually fits, and you can uh, stop me if, if if you think it doesn't, because it's it's an insect. But I think it's got animals, insects. I kind of got to lump them together in the same category, and there's not really a one singular. Uh, insect in this movie but it's one that i feel like needs to be mentioned is kingdom of the spiders is that the, the shatner one yep the william shatner woody strode was uh suzanne summers in that one no that was actually um, um suzanne summers the movie squirm? you're thinking of was just called ants oh okay that was ants. Was one shatner was... in a few of those back in the day i think so he God, he, he did so many fucking movies. Once, uh, you know, Star Trek went off the air, and <laughs> he did a whole bunch of stuff that I'm sure he's probably willing to try to forget and sweep under the rug. But, <laughs> but okay. uh, yeah, but yeah, I've definitely not seen that enough to comment. I, I think just I remember, remember making my skin crawl because one, I don't like spiders. I I I don't many know many people that do. But I got bit once uh, on the leg by a brown recluse, so I really don't like spiders. So did so. you end up losing a chunk on that one? It, 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 just a little bit, just a, like a little, you know, dime-sized little chunk. It, it looks like a, a huge pockmark. It, it doesn't look like much, but it, it, it got pretty ugly looking. Wow. Yeah, like I remember, I was working at I was working at a Dairy Queen when that happened, and I thought it was just a, an infection. I didn't realize that I gotten, you know, bit by something like, and it like was just discolored. It was like white at the center, then purple oh, and black the around that, and then it oh. got red, and it was like the size of a softball. And I'm like, oh great, I'm gonna lose my leg. But that's like some arachnophobia shit right there. Oh yeah, that was. <laughs> Yeah, arachnophobia is another one. If we're going to bring up, uh, you know, uh, spiders and shit, I think that's the probably the granddaddy of them all as far as spider movies. Daddy long legs, if you will. <laughs> Boom, baby. Had to put it in there. Yeah, yeah. I finally got uh, I got Melanie to watch it though, and she is a huge arachnophobe. Like she, I'd say that that was a that was very courageous on her part because that is some hairy shit. For being a comedy, that veers into the gruesome. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I felt <laughs> I felt sorry for uh, Jeff Daniels' character when they dropped the, the spider on his face, much like when they dropped the spider on Daniel Stern's face in Home Alone. I thought the exact same thing. I thought the <laughs> exact same thing. Was there a, a central spider in uh, Kingdom of the Spiders? Because I thought I remember. Doesn't Shatner like? stay at a hotel or get an apartment or something and he just kind of gets quartered with one or something no no there's there's dozens hundreds thousands of them because at the remember at the end the very last shot is the whole town is covered in webs from one end to the other oh damn yeah okay. this is, uh, i think that i've i think that i've barely scratched the surface of that one when i saw it because i i think that's one of those sort of like movie of the week rerun things that I may have seen on television, but there was only, and this is like way before like home box office and whatnot. I, I really don't think I saw a whole lot of that. Yeah. I just remember, I don't remember where I saw it first, but I, I can tell you exactly where I saw it last. Cause here recently it was on, uh, it was the movie of the week on Svengoolie. And I remember Fine. revisiting that. And it was just like kind of the perfect way to watch that kind of movie because it's, while it's, it's played, you know, 
to the extreme of, of uh, seriousness. It's, it's not tongue in cheek at all. But like William Shatner's over the top hammy performance, which you come to expect from Shatner, just totally makes it laugh out loud funny. I'm gonna have to check that out. That'll it's be a good, a good one. little. It's a good one. Our remembrance. Um, right. I one came to mind uh, that I'm. I'm not sure if you're gonna go for it or not, but uh, I was thinking of Q Quetzalcoatl from the Winged Serpent. Uh, the oh, the Cohen, yeah, Larry King Cohen Cohen's. jam. Yeah, because that's most definitely a creature. And I mean, I guess with Cohen stuff, a lot of times it's people and their machinations that sort of drive the story and everything. But there was definitely when the people went into the roosts and all that kind of stuff, they were definitely set upon by Q for sure. Yeah, I love Q the Winged Serpent. Uh, that one was actually shown on uh, Joe Bob's last drive in here last year and i remember i think it's a great that. move yeah michael, uh, michael moriarty that's his name right yeah michael moriarty and uh david uh david carradine a, it was luke gossett in that too i don't believe so i don't think so i could cheat and look Marty up Casey. look it up here I thought, I thought that there was a a strong black actor in there i can't remember if it was bernie casey or Lou Gossett. So I, I'm, I'm pushing for Lou Gossett on that one. I don't think it was Yafet. Um, <sighs> that's going to bug me. But yeah, Derek Derek I'm going I'm, I'm to cheat. I'm going to cheat and look it up while we're talking. Because that's I do. Cheating. That's not I cheating. Do. Yeah. Because uh, that was all to do. That was all to do with uh, being prepared for the topic. Not right. Uh, right. Oh, it, you know who it was? Richard Roundtree. Roundtree. Richard Roundtree. Son of a bitch. Fucking I was in chap. the ballpark. God damn it! Yeah, right era. Awesome. Right era. You know. But I yeah. guess I guess by that rationale, it could have been Fred. Uh, Fred. Fred Donaldson. Fred. Oh, oh no, sir. Williamson. Fred, the, Williamson. Fred the Hammer Williamson. That's my man. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, those guys. God damn, because Cohen did a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of urban like black exploitation stuff, and he was well respected. Well, he was an but, exploitation uh, just fucking dynamo man he god i mean i can't remember how many you know he directed only like 15 20 movies but he wrote like almost a (laughs) hundred that's wonderful man i i recommend king cohen that's a great documentary oh i uh, i actually when i was writing for a website that i i won't name right now for a short period for about six months that was the first movie i did a like in in uh, review for was uh, King Cohen, and I thought that awesome. was a great. I mean, it, that's why I learned like so much about like the, his work on stuff like uh, in Black Caesar and Hell Up in Harlem and stuff like that. Oh yeah, big time. But still, if I have to, uh, it's, it's off off subject here. But since we're on the subject of uh, Larry Cohen, I got to give some mad love for the stuff. I know that's not a yeah. Uh, yeah, I was it's not an animal to, villain type movie, but you know, but it, it, I was tempted it, to bring that up just to see, just to get slammed, just to get it a good shot out. Uh, but I, I see what you mean on that one. Um, okay, well, hmm, I am tempted to bring up Wolfen because of the um, the hyper intelligent wolf pack in Wolfen. Because that was a great, uh, that was a really unique 
uh, top, or that was a really unique approach to that. And I you love me some. That's uh, a movie. Uh, I gotta admit, I only seen once, and I've never rewatched it because when I saw it when I was younger, I saw it. Uh, I can't remember 10, 12 years old, give or take. And it came hot off about the same time as uh, the howling, you know, coming out and whatnot. But I remember not liking it very much, so I might have to give that one a revisit. Now that had, I think, Albert Finney sorry, in it. That was Albert right. Finney, right? A really okay. young, interesting. I mean, I, I would call, um, I would say that Albert Finney is definitely the Tom Atkins of that, because he's kind of like a crotchety. He, it's weird because he looks, but I mean, Albert Finney looked middle aged when he was born. But Albert Finney, <laughs> he was supposed born to with be crow's feet. Like, right. He's supposed to be like the Maverick, and you really can't tell how old he's supposed to be. But everybody acts like he's been around forever, and he manages to land. Um, oh, God, I can't remember her name right now, but I had a huge crush on her in that movie. She ended up being Al Pacino's wife in uh, Heat. And I think she was in oh, uh, uh, Diane Venora. Okay. <laughs> I, I was I was look I was looking I was looking up the the cast list. I, I then you, did I you say Venora with a V like vampire? Yeah, yeah, with the V, Venora. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Um, but um, I think it, if I had to guess, I mean, number one, I mean, there there are a bunch of number ones. Edward James almost is that crazed wolf obsessed. Uh, I think he's supposed. To, I, he might be considered like an Indio, like a a Mexican Indian. Mm-hmm. Like indigenous, but um, I love the whole like shamanistic thing they had going on. If I had to to broach an explanation as to why you didn't like it as a kid, I would say it's because it's slightly confusing as to exactly what is happening when it comes to because like from the very beginning you're like werewolf, and then when you start going a little bit further in you're like oh is this people who think they're wolves. Right, and then you right. go a little bit further in. So it's like you, I, I think that it sort of um, skews much like uh, Whitley Stryber wrote Wolfen, and much like The Hunger, I think that Stryber wanted to sort of switch up uh, the werewolf motif and give it uh, a different approach. So I think uh, you might have sort of felt like you had the, uh, no pun intended, the wool pulled over your, you know. Because uh good one though. It's a good one. I'll give it to you. I'm giving you this little golf cup right here. Yeah, awesome. Uh (laughs) but I I think that it may have been slightly confusing and maybe a little bit misleading. Um but I would if I were you, I would give it another chance. I ended up really, really enjoying it the last time I watched it. And Tom Noonan, or a young Tom Noonan uh appearance in that as sort of like oh, a okay, yeah, I remember a, a geol or a zoologist guy. Very, also very, from Heat. That's right. You rarely see him with hair, and he had hair in that one. Wait, he but, uh, I I don't ever remember seeing him in a movie with hair. <laughs> I, I, I might I might have to rewatch it definitely now just to see him with hair. It's just kind of like watching a movie where Burt Reynolds not having a mustache is just kind of like it's such a rarity. Okay, let me ask you this. Have you ever seen Tom Noonan in a comedy besides Monster Squad? Yes, Easy Money. Oh, shit. He was okay. one of uh, Rodney Dangerfield's uh, and uh, Joe Pesci's friends in uh, Easy Money. He had a very small part. No kidding. 
Yeah. Oh, wow, would... man. I haven't seen Easy Money since I was a real small kid. So I probably saw a very truncated version of that. Uh, I need to see that again because when I saw it, it didn't seem like there was much to it. So maybe they had to cut like 45 minutes out of it for the TV cut. But uh, I just remember it being pretty raunchy. So you might have seen okay. a, if you if you saw it on TV or something, you might have seen a very uh, very edited down, watered down version of that. Okay. But uh, hey, I got one I got to bring up. Now All again, right. this uh, we're getting we're getting a little off track here of, of doing solo, uh, you know, uh, animal villains. But I think this is one that needs to be mentioned just because uh, the, the the absurdity of it. But frogs, Sa- Sam oh, yeah. movie, yeah, yeah, with that the, is the. Uh... That's the. I think that's the. If I remember correctly, that's the first time I saw Sam Elliott without a mustache, and that was the weirdest looking thing in the movie. Yeah, that's that's more weird than uh, Burt Reynolds without a mustache, and certainly more weird than Tom Noonan with hair. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, though, in Deliverance, I, I thought that I thought that Burt could rock it, but um, yeah, I saw Frogs. That was a very. It almost seemed to me when I saw Frogs for the first time, because I think I got it on like a midnight movies double feature DVD set where it was like frogs and squirm or frogs and well, like a yeah, thousand yeah. S's with Dirk Benedict, something like that. But um, I think if I remember correctly, my reaction to frogs was like, you know, it almost seems like this movie was supposed to have more prestige than it did. And then all of a sudden they decided it was about frogs because I think if I remember correctly, like the sets were awesome. It was in that like, stately mansion like out in the swamp and yeah yeah was the old guy uh was the old guy was that struther struther martin was the old guy i can't remember who the old guy was oh you know again i'll have to look i have to look and see i don't think it was struther martin i remember i remember joan van ark infamous soap opera actress was kind of the love interest oh it was ray milliand oh shit that's ray milland okay well that makes sense that makes sense Ray Milland was the uh, the antagonist from uh, Dial M for Murder, and he yes, was he famous was. for the Lost Highway. So, and actually, strangely enough, he uh, when it came to like the seventies, I think he may have had some gambling debts because he uh, he made some weird ass films during that time. He was actually the other head with uh, uh, God. His name isn't Juicy. It's uh, it, that that football player. Um, Oh, the, 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 the thing with two the heads. The thing with two heads, yeah. Um, oh, gosh, I'm trying to remember who it like Lacey, his, his name is... Oh, shit. I can't I remember. remember anyway. the movie, but I wouldn't have been able to actually pick out that, that, that Ray Milland was the, was the one head on that. But I, I, now that you think you mentioned it, I do... Uh, I think that the best one he made during that time with Corman was uh, The Man with X-Ray Eyes. That oh, was man, awesome. X-ray eyes, good movie. Small good little movie. Don Rickles joint in there. That was wonderful. But uh, yeah, Ray Milland, uh, he became a heavy. Um, he became a villain in everything, and it was a, a supreme misuse and waste of his powers doing that stuff. But um, he he was actually in the Uninvited, which is a yeah. wonderful story. I've always found the weird thing about the about frogs is at. The frogs really don't start causing any damage or start killing anybody towards until like the third act of the movie. The, yeah, that's what are, I mean. It almost people... made me think that there was something else that was supposed to have happened, and then they just inserted that in there. 
I think the most memorable part of that movie is the fact that like Sam Elliott is dressed in all denim, <laughs> a denim yeah. shirt, denim the tie. Tuxedo. Den- yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I walked away from that movie, and I love the tagline for it. I've always remembered this: "Today the <sighs> pond, tomorrow the world." <laughs> and that, uh, that I, have, I don't know. So I, I do have one question about when you were watching Frogs. Were you riveted? <laughs> yes, I was. I Boom! Was I was Boom. riveted. <laughs> uh, we're going for the low. So. We're going for the low hanging fruit here, folks. Bear with us. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's a, I, it's a uh, sick world, but we're happy guys. I uh, I hesitate. No, I'm not going to do it. I, I almost said Anaconda, but I mean, I just, I think with that one, I think Anaconda, I think the Anaconda was almost like just sort of the plot. It, the Anaconda was almost like a plot device. I think that was one where the, the machinations of the people are much more the driving force of that thing. But, um, but I think, you know, Anaconda is one that, I mean, we don't have to talk about it in depth, but it's definitely one worth talking about. I mean, hell, it spawned a, like a franchise of like, what, five movies? If you count the Anaconda Anaconda versus like Lake Placid. You know, you are going to totally disown me, but I have never seen Lake Placid, and there's no reason why I should not have seen it, because I heard it's a wonderful dark comedy. Oh, the first one is magnificent. It's worth seeing alone just for uh, Betty White's performance. And yeah, I won't give, any, I won't give anything like- away about her performance and her importance in the movie, but... She's very integral to it. She's a very much a supporting character, but she's uh, very important to the story. And it just she has the best line of, of dialogue in any movie I've ever seen is where she looks at a, a cop and she tells him she's like, if this is the point where if I had a dick, I would tell you to suck it. <laughs> and, and coming from Betty White, that's just fucking brilliance on top of brilliance. I just don't understand why I've never seen that movie. It seems I, it might be because of Bridget Fonda. As a rule, I'm just not a big fan. I was That's so happy fair. when I was so happy when De Niro just totally took her out. And, uh, <laughs> Jackie Brown. I was so fucking happy because it was like, well, I can't stand you to begin with, and then you're annoying to boot, and then there you go. But I have to say, uh, I did like her in that one little tiny bit at the beginning of Army of Darkness. Because apparently she's good about, like, if she's on set or something and you need somebody, she'll just kind of walk into it. So oh, that's right, yeah, because she, she was, uh, she played Linda in that, that beginning intro of Army of Darkness, didn't she? Yep, yep. Uh, what about uh, Church? Would oh. you say that Church is a uh, contender from Pet Cemetery? Pet Cemetery? You know, I would have to say so. I think Church goes hand in hand with, with uh, you know, uh, with, with, with Cujo, too. Yeah, you know, I, mean, I, mean, I, I, I know. Sorry. No, 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 go right ahead. I think that uh, that church is slightly different because church is such a harbinger that I think oh. that he's much more of uh, I think much he's much more of a I, I can't I'm having trouble figuring out like a good uh, adjective because with Cujo, like he's the problem, but church is a reminder of the problem. Where like he's sort of like the harbinger, he's the crow sitting on the fence to, that reminds you that you should not be doing what you're doing. Right. So I, I think that uh, past Zelda, he might be the 
Although I guess that's kind of mean to say about Zelda. But um, she's not an animal. She's a human being. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I think that that he's sort of like the omen and the portent of what's to come. So, I mean, does that make him a villain? Uh, Probably not. It's probably more of a... uh, He's probably more of sort of like the the image of of uh, decay and the decay of the family, the, the decay of sanity, all yeah, that kind I, of thing. I, I think even like even if you're talking, I mean, really, the link between them is Stephen King, you know, between Cujo and, and uh, Church. But like with Cujo, again, uh, if you're going by the book, which uh, once again, I prefer the book much to, much more to the movie. But, you know, they just make, you know, Kuja this big brute of an unstoppable force. But, you know, in the in the book, I remember specifically, you know, the <clears throat> them getting into Kujo's mindset, you know, of like not understanding why, you know, he's feeling this way, why he thinks everybody's attacking him and why, he, you know, he's he's pretty much on the defensive, you know, and I think it kind of gets into that mindset of of an animal that has rabies, you know, uh, and not necessarily, sure. you know, I mean, yeah, he becomes the villain of the movie, but where actually I always kind of, kind of considered the mother to be the real villain of the movie, to, to be honest, because <laughs> she puts her, her whole, you know, the, 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 the kid at, at risk over all that shit. And just not another parent making really shitty, bad decisions in, in movies. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely think, uh, to, to get back to what you, you were saying about church, I think church is one that definitely needs to be mentioned because a- anything that came out of that cemetery was evil. So I think I, mean, it, I, I think that if you're talking about famous, there there was something I that I was I had on the tip of my tongue. I think iconic is also important. So maybe if you know he's not quite a uh, a prime mover, he's definitely a known icon when it comes to like the evil of that story. So that might be important as well. Now, there's one I got to mention. I'm not sure if you've seen it, and it's been some years <clears throat> since I've seen it. And so I remember very little about it. So this might be a real short subject. But do you remember a movie called The Pack? Uh, you know, The Pack was one that was recommended, and I had a lot of trouble finding it. So I've never seen The Pack. But I think that has to do with, doesn't that have to do with an island? Yeah, it's an island where uh, I think it's called Seal Island, if I remember right. It's been some years since I've seen it. I, I, I mean, I have it on VHS, but I just have not watched it. But it's just about a pack of wild dogs that are like, you know, uh, past vacationers have just abandoned their pets there. So now they're kind of like feral. And I, I just love remember. that story. That That sounds so great because... It's such an organic, realistic happening for that to, to occur. And I have been in the, I, I have been in that position. One time uh, when I was a kid, I would drive, or I would, uh, I would ride on my bike long distances out uh, in this country area that had, you know, a couple of roads that, that went here and there. And uh, you would go out on these roads and sometimes they would, they would blacktop. And it was the middle of the summer. Sometimes a blacktop would get so hot that your tires would get stuck. Oh, and yeah. It's totally, I mean, it was totally a, a stand by me type of situation. But I had sort of come up over this ridge, and there were three dogs waiting in the dip of the road. 
and Uh-oh. there wasn't really a habitation that was close. So I was thinking, I bet these are a bunch of farm dogs that kind of get together and, and go scavenging and stuff. And that was one of the only times in my life where I actually think that talking to an animal might have gotten me out of a situation. It was so silly. I mean, you can totally see a kid doing something like this. But I kind of stopped my bike and like teeth bared, gums missing parts of their lips, ears, like rough looking curs, man. And I just I just sort of like got off my bike and I put the kickstand down. I was like, guys, it was so funny. <laughs> Thinking back, it's, it's so I have no shame. It's, I'm not embarrassed, but it's just like I was like, guys, please let me go. I don't, I don't you know, I don't have anything against you. I'm not going to do anything. Just please let me go. And they actually, this is no shit. This is not a yarn or a tall tale. They looked at each other, and one of them was like, and they just kind of ran away. They ran back into the weeds. You know, sometimes I I think uh, animals don't necessarily understand. uh, I'm not going to say they understand what we're saying, but they understand the tone. You know, if you you're like they always say, you could look at an animal and be like, oh, you stupid little piece of shit. Who are you, stupid <laughs> little fucker? And they're just going to be like, oh, oh, yeah, I love you. I love you. You know, it's it's all in the tone. You can be saying whatever you want to them, but if you use the right tone, that, that you know, that, that might have been part of what saved your, saved your hide back then. Maybe so, because I would, I would have been surprised if I wasn't giving off some kind of fear hormone, for sure. <laughs> or pheromone, rather. Uh, I, I would have been really surprised if I wasn't giving off something, but maybe I was just calm and cool enough that it, because uh, my grandpa had this, for the time period, I thought that it was pretty swanky. He had this uh, cattle prod, or he, it, it wasn't a cattle prod, it was actually a dog prod. It was meant to be put on your bike, and it kept like a little charge, and you would just kind of zap them with it, and uh, I don't know how the hell it worked, because when he would have had it, that would have had to have been like in the 70s. So I don't know how. I mean, maybe they had technology for that back then. I don't know. But uh, it makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, just, you know, to have something like that, you know, especially on a farm or something like that, I would imagine that would come in mighty handy. Yeah. Now, there's one I got to mention here that uh, I, I, I'm going to be willing to bet money that you have seen, but uh, I'm throwing one out there for you Razorback. Nope. Haven't seen it. I am familiar with what? what you're talking about, but I've never. No, no, I have not seen it. Because by uh, the time I really started finding out about some of these movies, it was kind of a situation where uh, if you would have just sort of happened upon them in VHS form, like you're in good luck. But at a certain point, they kind of went out of print, and then all of a sudden, the redistributors started getting a hold of them. By the time that happened, uh, the editions were expensive enough that I just hadn't tried them out yet. Oh, good one. It's it's a good one. Uh, Razorback, I remember that. I mean, the, there's not, all, I mean, there's this one singular monster and, you know, it's a big wild boar and, you know, it's, it takes place in the Australian Outback. Beautifully shot film. Russell McCahey, who did uh, the original Highlander, uh, directed it. And it was one of, I think it. No it, kidding. It, yeah, I don't know if it was his first film, but it, God damn it, it was at least like one of his first films. Because I remember he, he was primarily a, a music video director. And but you know, he he directed like shit tons of videos for like Rod Stewart and Elton John, Duran Duran and, and people like that. But uh Razorback was like one of his first feature films. It, it, like I said, if not his first one, I I I I can't remember. 
but the, the only thing that it suffers from is there's not a whole lot of uh, Razorback in it because I think it suffered from the same thing that the original Jaws suffered from, the the animatronic that they used, you know, the puppet the, that they puppet puppeteered, and it didn't work most of the time. So a lot of the footage they just kind of scrapped and kind of made it uh, more or less about the you know, uh, for lack of a better term, the human element and the human monsters of it. So it, it like uh, I said, it, it suffers from that a little bit, but just again, great, just just a, an overall great creepy fucking movie. Was that done uh, in the Outback or something or something like that or like Arkansas? Or where was that filmed? Well, it's supposed to take place in Australia, but I'm pretty sure okay. it. it uh, I, I'm sure it was filmed in Australia. Um, you know, I'm looking it up while we speak. Yes, it it was. It was filmed in Broken Hill. New South Wales, Australia, Silverton, Australia, and part of second unit was done in New York and L.A. So wow, the, so, so, some pickup shots. I think some insert shots were were sh- shot that way. But yeah, great movie, beautifully shot. I mean, the cinematography in that movie is just it is the is it's the main reason to show up for that movie is just how beautifully shot it is. The composition is just. Well, chef's kiss on that one. <laughs> well, one just came to mind that I definitely do not want to forget. Um, All right, lay it on me. I had, I had seen the. Uh, I was actually looking around for Link, and I think that Link has to do with like an arsonist monkey or something. But I, instead of finding Link, which I think I believe has Elizabeth Shue in it, I found Shockma instead. And Shockma is fantastic. Not I, I got you got one on me there because I have not seen Shockma. I uh, I recommend looking up the trailer because Shockma is about a college, uh, and it's it's very it's very unique. It's very unique. It's a college where sort of like uh, the nerd population they engage in like a uh, a real life role-playing game um is that an rpg i always get those things mixed up but yeah, uh, rpg oh i see roddy mcdowell's in it i'll definitely have roddy to mcdowell that plays like the the he's almost like it's almost like a science club of uh of esteemed students and he's sort of like the leader of it but they play this game where he designs this game that's sort of like a Dungeons and Dragons game, except they go throughout the entire science building and they find clues and they find powers and they find stuff. But they've been working on enhancing uh, the intelligence of this uh, baboon. And you know how like the baboons, they have like those insanely large canine teeth and stuff. Oh yeah. And they're pretty scary. And something (laughs) goes wrong where I think like the aggressive, aggression centers, the aggression centers of this one, Shockma were triggered and the guy and they were like doing I think they're actually doing surgery on their brains to try to uh, increase the intelligence and lower their aggressive centers but this one like they thought I think they thought it was a seizure but it was actually him going crazy trying to kill people and so they end up giving him like an insane amount of tranquilizer to the point where they thought it stopped his heart. And then they, the guy basically tells him to like put him in the incinerator, but then he wakes up. So then as they're playing this like Dungeons and Dragons game throughout this building at night, 
they're set upon by Shockma, and it is fantastic. When you see the behind-the-scenes um, physical effects and sort of like um, arm-driven, like human arm-driven um, mannequin heads and uh, <laughs> the different things, it's so wonderful. But some of the best parts is when you actually see the baboon, it physically frightens you when you when you think, especially as a filmmaker, when you if you were to watch this, you'd be like, oh, man, that would be some scary shit seeing that fucking baboon going off like this, because even if he got a glancing blow with those teeth, man, I mean, it's you're just wedge of meat gone like and so many you'd have to get shots I mean, it would just be insane, the level of, of carnage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if it was just, you know, again, using air quotes here, just a wound, the type of bacteria and stuff that would be in a bite or, uh, you know, a, a scratch like that would just, <laughs> I can't imagine, you know, it would be like going through a bunch of rabies shots and you'd have to get all sorts of shit and shit injected into it. And Shockma has that benefit. Shiver, just thinking about it. Shockma has that benefit of like near human intelligence, just as a simian. He's already got further intelligence and, you know, uh, opposable stuff. And when he's jumping, he is fast as fuck, too. Um, so, like, even when you see uh, the stuntmen who are in the actors' clothes and stuff, I've, there wasn't one second in that movie where I was like, man, someone is, someone's going to get hurt in this movie. Just even like the stunt crew, I was like, God, I bet somebody got fucked up in that movie. But the trailer is a thing of beauty. It is so unbelievably insane. I actually watched it with, um, I said, because I, I think I may have done my job a little bit too well with Lucy. Because I was like, you know, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I was a real fraidy cat. When it, it's, it's so strange when I think about it now. But when I was a kid, I was such a fraidy cat with horror stuff. And my sister ended up sort of like easing me into it in different ways and stuff like that. And then I was, I was a diehard after that. Well, I've tried to do the same thing with Lucy, but I think I've, I may have done my job a little bit too well. Cause now she's sort of obsessed with horror. And oh, okay. she's only 10. Uh, so, and like, she's said some things where she's like, Oh, that guy could have totally gotten away if he just would have killed that guy behind the wheel. Like this is like, uh Oh, uh, I'm not quite sure if I did my job too well. So, but we watched the uh, trailer for Shockma, and I was like, does that look like something you'd like to see? And we were just laughing and screaming and hooting and hollering. I was like, that sounds like a yes to me. So we ended up watching Shockma. And in fact, now that I think about it, I think that it was either on Pluto, Tubi, or Hulu. So it might still be around. Well, I got it uh, written down amongst, uh, amongst a few others that you've mentioned here that I haven't seen. I'm going to have to... I can't believe, though, considering when that movie came out, you know, that I haven't seen it. I, I'm almost kind of ashamed of myself. Well, I think it gets lost in the shuffle. Like I said, I, I kind of mixed it up with Link a lot. And I think there might be another one also that I'm forgetting. But um,
Yeah, there was one. Um, it was a it was a rarefied uh, atmosphere because it was right around the time I um, I had broken up with a girlfriend. It was right after nine eleven, like right after. It was like a couple of weeks after nine eleven. Uh, broke or maybe it was a little bit further after, but it couldn't have been more than a month. And uh, basically, I was homeless. My girlfriend bought a house that I thought that was going to be with me. And then I woke up one day and I didn't have any place to live. Went to live with a friend of mine. Oh shit! And oh yeah, it was an it was an upheaval, man. It was an upheaval. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, sounds like it. And uh, blockbusters all over the place were going under. So there was a blockbuster uh, near where we lived, and they said, "Okay, you know, come down here, a dollar a DVD, you know, clean us out." So, like, that is the clarion call. Like, that is the feeding triangle. When you start, like, hitting that bell, we're there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, same, same. We went down there, and we were just making piles. And I found this one, and it shows, if I remember correctly, the cover shows this sort of, now in hindsight, he kind of reminds me of James Gandolfini. He's like a large man, uh, not too rotund, but just a little tiny bit. And I think he's got this really wildly aggressive look on his face, which as far as I know, he never does in the film. And there's a little, I think it's a Jack Russell Terrier, if I remember correctly. (laughs) And the Jack Russell Terrier's name is Lucky. And he is a screenwriter, but he is sort of, uh, he hasn't had a whole lot of success. He sends stuff out barely. His entire house is filled with empty beer cans and pizza boxes. Uh, he lives alone, and uh, he he tries to talk to women, like, and it just doesn't work. He's just a sad sack, but he's still kind of he still has a positivity about him. You know? I was going to say it sounds a and, lot like me in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think if I remember correctly, I think he drives. I think the only friend he has is like a liquor store girl or something, and she just thinks he's a a, a sot, and. I think if I remember correctly, he's driving home from the liquor store drunk and he hits Lucky, who's the Jack Russell. And the name of the movie is Lucky, by the way. I forgot if I said that. I was just going to ask if that was the name of it. That's the name of it. And he looks down at this obviously crushed dog and he's like, Lucky, I'm going to bring I'm going to I'm going to help you. I'm going to I can't let this I can't let this happen. And I can't remember if the dog, like, I think that he brings the dog home and he tries to nurse it back to health. And the dog is obviously dead. And then at one point, the dog hops up and starts talking to him in his mind with this, like, not quite, um, uh, not quite Barry White. But uh, (laughs) I think that the actor who did the voice might be a comedian or musician or do you remember what year it came out? Because I'm trying to look this one up while we're talking. Well, if I had to guess, I would say it was around 2000. Okay. Because, like I said, it was uh, right after 9-11. So I think that it was uh, right after 2000. Okay. So, or, uh, so, so it probably would have been around 2000. But like I said, it's very small. Very, very small. Indie. And uh, so the dog starts giving him screenwriting ideas 
and he starts sending off these screenplays because he usually uses like couriers. This chick who's like a real asshole to him, she just like browbeats him every chance she gets. She comes over and he sends a script out, and I think that she's been reading them when she, you know, when she's driving or whatever. And in this case, he starts to get a little bit noticed. But Lucky has a price. Lucky's like, I'm hungry. And so he's like, okay, well, I'll get some pizza and stuff. He's like, I don't think you understand. So basically, in order to feed Lucky, uh, he has to kill people. Okay, I, and I found it, too. Yeah, it came out in 2004. I'm looking at a trailer oh, oh, for shit. it. As, I'm looking for a trailer okay, for so- it as we speak. And the guy does have a very much, uh, does really have a kind of a, uh, like a younger James Gandolfini kind of look to him. Yeah, yeah. That's right maybe, on the, it was with right her, on... maybe it was with her a little bit longer than I thought then. Because I, that doesn't seem right that that would be 2004. Yeah, because it's got a picture of the guy, he's got a shovel. Okay, that must little, be it then. Jack Russell Terrier and there's some skulls and yeah, there's the empty beer cans and pizza boxes on the cover too as well. I'm just wondering if that might be like a re-release date. Yeah, it could, anyway, be, it could it's, be. It's neither it's neither here or there. But um, but it looks like a demonic little ones, like a demonic little fucker of a dog. It looks like for, for sure. Yeah, I think that he. I think he gets some red eyes, and uh, he might. I don't think he got any like crazy fangs or anything. But at one point, he was really beat up. But um, that was a diamond in the rough because you know you know. A dollar a D. I mean, at that point, like DVDs hadn't gotten as like bargain basement pawn shop prices yet. So walking into a blockbuster was like there was still a lot of new movies that were in there, but there are also like a lot of obscure gems in there. Uh, one of these days, I'll have to talk to you about the movie Feed. That was uh, I picked up sh- like sheerly on the fact that on the front it was emblazoned on there. It was like Fangoria said it was the most fucked up movie they had ever seen. So it was like mine. It's like threw it on the pile. Let's talk about that someday, Especially but. when when it's a dollar, you know, if 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 it if it sucks, you basically pay. You can take uh, risks. You, you can, can take, take risks. Yeah, yeah. You, you just bought so, yourself a, a a dollar coaster. There you go. Yeah, like uh, something like King of the Crystal Skull, right? So um, <laughs> hey, no, that's, I, that's, I, that's a ninety nine yeah. cent coaster at best. Yeah, no kidding. That was one of the uh, best reviews I ever saw. They were talking about the new, or at that point, it was new. It was like. The Indiana Jones four pack, and he's like, I got three. It was like I got, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, and The Last Crusade, and this awesome printed Indiana Jones coaster. <laughs> I, I thought that was great. But, I uh, you know, the thing is, I don't, I don't hate them that movie, but I don't love it either. I think that I if you have, uh, it, with the people that were available and involved, um. That should not have went down the way it did. But uh, I, I will agree. But yeah, that's that's another show for, for another time, right? <laughs> no, uh, yeah, another, another time. But Lucky was one of those movies where doesn't have the biggest budget in the world, not the best actors in the world, not the best sound design in the world. But the whole thing just worked for me. I probably watched that every week for a little while, especially since I, I just like I was a new bachelor at that time. And uh, the friend I was living with uh, hit the wacky pretty often. And at that point, we were watching Big Lebowski practically like every week. So we did this thing where I would have a white Russian every time there was a white Russian on screen. 
and he would smoke a joint every time there was a joint on screen. So you can see why we would have enjoyed Lucky as much <laughs> right. as we did during that time, uh, because there's got to be something other than Big Lebowski, and uh, there wouldn't be any watching feed because that just would have been uh, hyper chunks. But I recommend uh, Lucky to everyone. It's not. Uh, it was definitely one that I was. I felt fortunate to have discovered, and I'm, I'm not so sure that that guy, I believe I was under the impression that he was the writer, director, and the star, but I could be wrong about that. Um, but I I really want everybody to look around and see if they can't find this. It would be great if it, uh, if it was on Tubi somewhere, because I know they have a bunch of little-known stuff on there. It's possible. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it's possible that it's, uh, you know, it's streaming somewhere. It would be great. I would love, because I think that uh, in between now and those times, I think that I had to find my own apartment. And I think if I remember correctly, I was forced to take like 350 DVDs to the pawn shop just to get rent. So Lucky may have fallen under the axe on that one. So I'm not sure if I have a copy of my own anymore. Yeah, I, I looked up the movie uh, on IMDb. It has two dates shown for 2002 is the original release re-released on dvd in 2004 but currently it is not streaming anywhere i bet if i were to find that guy and just write him an email and go man i loved lucky he'd probably be like here he'd probably just like throw me a copy of it but he's like here's a uh, crate of like 50 of them please take them off my hands they take up half my garage 2002 sounds a little more close to the mark but um yeah, so there's that one. I, I definitely, I, I recommend it. I, I thought it was, I don't want to hype it up too much because it's not like uh, brilliance or anything, but I just, just unique. loved it. Yeah, yeah. All right. I just well, loved it. Here's the one that I, I since we took our little uh, couple minute break here, here's the one that I, I thought of the minute we hung up with each other. And I'm I, this one is also a, a big favorite, a huge favorite of mine. Is Alligator from 1980? Robert nope. Force. Oh, never seen it. Nope. I, I would have to say that, in all honesty, I um, I don't necessarily avoid killer animal movies, uh, but just for some reason, they are definitely not on top of my list. So I, I've missed a lot of those. But um, I'm pissed that I didn't see a Robert Forster movie. I'll watch anything that guy's in. They're getting ready to finally release that. I don't believe it's had a DVD or uh, Blu-ray release until here recently. I can't remember if it's Shout Factory or Arrow is Probably. getting ready to release. One of those two is getting ready to release it. But uh, Robert Forster, it's basically, it's it's, a, it's about a baby, little baby alligator. Remember the, the craze in the late 70s, early 80s? Oh. People were, were, were flushing their little baby alligators down the toilet. Well, this is basically yeah. about one that gets flushed down the toilet uh, uh, in Chicago, and it jo- it grows to like the size of like 30, 35 feet long. And you it's know what? Like, if I'd have known that it had like a an urban, if I would have known that, that 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 thing was that had to do with it, sort of like the the urban legend of those going into the sewers and stuff. If I would have known that it was that, I would have seen it a lot sooner. I would have seen it already because highly um, recommended. I guess that I just avoid sort of like, okay, we're out in the swamp, and all of a sudden there's this thing. I just, 
I just sort of don't watch those a lot of times. And, um, but that whole thing, cause that's sort of Chud like too. So I would definitely would have seen that if I would have known that that was part of that. So I'll, I'll be seeking that out. Yeah. It's sure. a good one. It's, it's action packed. It's, uh, got some weird kind of dark humor in it it's got uh henry silva this is a great Ooh, character he, he yes. plays a guy that's like a hunter that they bring into the city to try to hunt him through the sewers and find him because robert forster he plays what he usually plays he plays a a, a cop you know or you're, it's either you're playing <laughs> that or a private detective of some sort and but his character is really neat in the fact that None of the other cops trust him. None of the other cops like him because he had his partner had gotten shot and killed and he had gotten relocated to this place in Chicago. So nobody trusted him. There's one of those like none of the cops would uh, would practically even talk to him. So, of course, when he happens to come from this, uh, you know, this uh, uh, animal testing kind of ring thing going on and this this guy is taking old pets that you know dogs and cats that he had brung to this like this medical facility he's dumping them in the sewer unbeknowingly feeding the alligator which is why the thing has like gotten so big because he's gotten you know fresh you know doggies and cats (laughs) you know to to feed on but when they bring henry silva in he is just he's got a smile like a cheshire cat a mile wide he's just having a great time in this movie uh, it's it's great. Now the sequel that they made, uh, they made a sequel in like ninety or ninety one. Uh, avoid that one. It doesn't have Robert Forster. Is it called it. like Alligator Two: The Return or something? Yeah, it's something lame like that. Something I've definitely seen that cover before. I'll but watch yeah, Henry Silva and anything too. Oh yeah, I, I mean uh, between Robert Forster and Hen- Henry Silva, they're it, it's a great great movie, but. Yeah. It's weird to think about Robert Forster being in the black hole. <laughs> that is such a weird departure for him. But one did it also occur to me as soon as I thought of Lucky, another one popped into my head. And then just now, another one popped in my head. And these two are slightly similar animals. So I'll just kind of like go back to back. The first right. one that I thought of was uh, Black Phillip. He's probably one of the most iconic. It is Black Phillip, right? From the witch what, in the witch oh yeah yeah oh, yeah i have to say that he goes along with the iconic uh villain because when he makes his move his uh his um transformation his, so to o- speak. His, his overt move towards uh the protagonist in that <laughs> it is just so fucking chilling and it's become i yeah, never I saw that coming i never saw that scene coming neither where- did i but I was I was so open. I, that was definitely one where um, I am I am like slow burn city. I, I love as long as it's burning though. You can't let right, the fire right. go out. That that happens. Sometimes. Yeah, you can't let it be boring. It, it it can be slow, but it just can't be boring. Yeah, and that was one where uh, I was so immersed that when that happened. In fact, I I got a T-shirt uh, not too long ago that says uh, I think it says like. Black Phillips Literacy School or something, and it shows him reading to this group of kids, and it says, "Wouldst thou like, wouldst thou like to read deliciously?" And I, I love that guy. And and there was that one point where the camera just followed him doing some stuff that around the barnyard it would seem totally like everyday things, 
But when you see it like out of context where he's sort of doing that like sideways spasmodic gallop looking thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so strange. But um I I, I would venture to guess there are very few people who um who listen to Seven Degeneration that haven't seen The Witch. But um one that I may not have seen is the uh Weta workshops driven uh, New Zealand killer oh, sheep feature. Black sheep? Black sheep, <laughs> which was uh, absolutely worth the price of admission. That oh, was that's a crazy movie. It is crazy so movie. Uh, I actually you... owe it to my wife to, to introducing. That's when she introduced me to uh, when we were just oh, dating. All right. And I was just like, I was just like, oh, yeah, like when she recommended that, that was one of those movies that made me go, oh, okay, I love this woman. (laughs) Oh, it was so great, especially since uh, for a long time there, it seemed like New Zealand and Australia were putting out some of the most unique horror films, horror uh, science fiction films for a while, like uh, Undead. I don't know if you've seen Undead. but Oh, yeah, yeah. That is such a unique one uh, that one day I'd like to talk about that with you. But um, yeah, I, this I one, would love to do a show on that one. I, the trailer I, for uh, the trailer for Black Sheep is one where you're just like, okay, it's leading you into the the known quantities, and then all of a sudden you realize you're seeing some stuff that you've never seen before. <laughs> right, uh, because they're almost like, I mean, the, like the sheep. Or, 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 or maniacs. I mean, they're almost like zombie-like in a way. Oh, sure, yeah. Or, or more or less like not even zombie-like. Like they're like a sheep version of like uh, a rage-infected human, like in a twenty-eight days later kind of scenario. Yeah, and uh, then you have the uh, kind of like the denouement with uh, like some of the stuff that the other stuff that was kind of happening that had to do with sheep. And like genetic tampering and all that kind of shit. And then it gets it gets real crazy real fast, especially when you're like, okay, how's how is human DNA getting introduced into this? And then all of a sudden <laughs> you realize that the guy might be uh, having a little bit of uh, esoteric fun there. But that one, especially when you have that uh, that sort of sensibility where. If you're in New Zealand, apparently that's like one of their biggest, uh, like if you want to know about New Zealand, you're going to be talking about sheep at some point. It's just like such a fixture of that entire country. So to kind of do a send up of that with, uh, as far as I know, a New Zealand based effects company that just worked on Lord of the Rings. Like it it was just awesome in every way. I loved it. Yeah, I love that movie too. Isn't one of the characters named Clint Eastwood too? I don't remember. I thought that the character, he was kind of like a, I think he was the one that was driving the truck most of the time. I think his name in the show, his character name was Clint Eastwood, if I remember correctly. It might have been. I I can't remember, to be quite honest with you. But that was a fantastic. The only reason why I even found out about that was a trailer on something else. I just kind of watched the trailer, and that was one where the trailer sold me instantly on that one. Well, I, I thought, when... even if it screwed up, you know. When Patty introduced me to that one, it was one of those. It's like, let's watch something that at least one of us haven't seen. So we're going through. Have you seen this? Like, yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah. And she's like, have you seen this one? I'm like, 
you know, what the hell is this about killer sheep? I'm like, I, I don't know that I've ever heard about it before, but I've just remember the, the tagline being there's 40 million sheep in New Zealand and they're all pissed off. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, fucking A, I'm like, I'm down for this. De- definitely yeah. down for this. All right. I, hey, look, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to change things up a little bit and bring one up that I'm surprised neither one of us has mentioned before. All right, let's strap in for this one. This is the grand, I think probably the granddaddy of all. Fucking Jaws. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, uh, I, I guess that one of the reasons why I think that. I mean, at least like of, for probably the most iconic one, at least, you know. Yeah, I think we were skirting it because it's just such a uh, an easy pull. I think I think with this, the list that we've kind of concocted, there might be a, a, a lot of uh, food for thought. Uh, for the audience and stuff, or they might be getting into some stuff they hadn't heard of or tried before. But with Jaws, is just something you you can't deny it. It was the the emergence of the blockbuster, like out of thin air, and it cemented his fucking legacy. And um, yeah, I mean, we're not we're not going to teach anybody anything new about Jaws, right? <laughs> I mean, I even I would people have to who... say that. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 no. Go right. Ahead. I mean, I watched uh, Pelham, the, uh, the taking of Pelham 123, the original one, last night, and Robert Shaw, in my opinion, is, is just, that guy was an underutilized actor, and I think that I, I was, I thought it was totally harrowing when he got taken in that movie, and uh, that blood is not hammer style, it's not sort of like spackle, like the orangish red spackle, that stuff is dark as hell in that movie they are not playing around with him getting killed no and i I think that was probably one of the more disturbing scenes at least for me like when i was a child i can't remember how old i was when i first saw jaws but i was far younger than 10 years old and when he got the girls particularly brutal too yeah yeah i mean yeah when he take when the old bruce the shark takes out uh robert shaw quint he scared the shit out of me. And then, like, I remember my, it was either my mother or my grandmother had told me, like, well, yeah, you know, um, Robert Shaw died, you know, within a year or so after that movie was made. He died of a heart attack. And they had me. Oh, con- shit. Yeah. He, they had me convinced, <laughs> convinced that the the shark in, in Jaws, like, had given him, like, heart palpitations and, and killed him. I think it was just a bad trick that they were playing on me when I was younger, but I, I distinctly remember that. I'm like, yeah, little motherfuckers, I'm gonna try to fucking, <laughs> you know. I think that uh, Jaws was really one of the more perfect balances you have between sort of like the bureaucratic evil of the political system in that town, and then sort of like the fish out of, you know, no, no pun intended, but the fish out of water of, of Chief Brody coming in from the city. And his kids uh, living on the water, and one so that's a danger. Uh, in complete blind faith in in sort of like what's under the the surface of the water from all these people who just want to have a good time, the tourists and stuff. It was a perfect storm um, that started that, and I would actually like to see a timeline as to how much stuff like Orca and Piranha 
and all that stuff that occurred after Jaws, like how soon after and uh, and how long it lasted with that. Because I think that was right smack dab in the center of like disaster era cinema. Yeah, yeah. When people like were going that. from, uh, yeah, from Towering Inferno into stuff like Jaws, I think every, everything was going to big monster movies at that point. Not big monster movies, but like, like you said, Piranha. Uh, Orca is a, is a good example. I think one we already mentioned earlier was Grizzly, which is basically you know Jaws with a bear and in a in a park, <laughs> you know, which scares the fuck out of me. Because uh, just to think of a of an animal that would just take one swipe at you and you look down and you're you're missing the huge parts of your body. Right. Um, Makes so, you realize with, how in, insignificant we are <laughs> in, in the grand scheme of things. And I think with Jaws, um, I honestly think that that was a time when the less was less is more type of thing. And with Robert Shaw delivering that that speech about the Indianapolis, it's just it's it's forever gonna be that's never gonna go out of style. Jaws oh. is never gonna go out of style. And I'm I'm glad that Spielberg has stuck to his guns and has resisted letting them remake jaws because i know it's like been on the table many times over the last several years but thankfully thankfully he has uh resisted that because i think it would be just a sacrilege i mean yeah just shouldn't be done don't leave it at that although much like psycho i ended up enjoying the uh the sequels quite a bit yeah i, I like the sequel the sequels uh, to varying degree of, of jaws and uh psycho but yeah remakes yeah, well, we've already that. That was our first show was remakes. <laughs> we talk about the good, yeah. the bad, and the ugly of remakes. You know, yeah, if you're gonna um, if you're gonna remake something, re- remake a movie that's not already like damn near perfection. You gotta do something that has it, even if even if the flaw, like you kind of have to figure that out. Where it's like, you know, in my opinion, I think that um, rather than remake movies that had physical effects that seem slightly goofy for now, but we remember how awesome they were. I would like it better if we uh, used used what we have now to do stuff like from the 90s where CG was just sort of coming into flower and it did, just didn't quite work yet. That would be a good place yeah. to use that. Yeah, because, a movie that comes uh, to mind is like Mimic. Guilt, and, and I'll be honest with movie. you, man. I mm-hmm. ended up liking Mimic despite all that shit. And, but I do think that there are, are some changes that can be made. Even in something... Um, like, I don't think I would touch Event Horizon because there were so few CG problems in that. Uh, there was a lot of physical effects in that movie. But, uh, yeah, man. I mean, I guess, um, I mean, Deep Blue Sea, for the love of God Almighty. That was oh. like. <laughs> However, Deep Rising, on the other hand, Deep I Rising guess. is an unsung hero of that. And it was sort of like the beginning of Stephen Sommers. Uh, I, 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 sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I was just having a conversation with another friend of mine, uh, Scott Tupperman, about Deep Rising and how underappreciated that movie is. Well, I watched it last when it comes to Stephen Sommer's uh catalog. That was the one I watched last. I'm not exactly sure why I avoided it, but I'm kind of glad that I did because, um, it, I had a, a great appreciation for it seeing it after the mummy stuff. And after Van Helsing, um, 
Although, as far as I'm concerned, I think that Odd Thomas was a major shot upwards for him. Yeah, but, I liked uh, Odd Thomas. Odd Thomas was good. Yeah, it was I, one I of the few good, uh, one of the few good uh, Dean Arcoons, you know, adaptations. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's kind of weird. It seems like it's only a matter of time before they really start digging into him because it's it's almost an untouched gold mine if you think about it, except for like Watchers and stuff. So, yeah. would you Watchers, consider Watchers? Would Watchers go into this uh, into this cavalcade? Would you consider the the monster in Watchers kind of like the? Wasn't it uh, sort of like mm. a mutated? Yeah, gold that's retriever? a good point. Yeah. Well, I mean, like Watchers, you know, it ended up being like a golden retriever kind of. I thought it was like a mutation, almost like a ended up being kind of like a like a Bigfoot, like almost like a Sasquatch. Sure. Yeah. Something like that. But, but yeah, they had the golden retriever that was psychically linked to it. Now I remember that. Now I don't recall the sequels very well. I I think there were. No, it's kind of funny when you think about it. There were four Watchers movies, and probably not four other like you know Dan Arcoon's adaptations. You know, all together. But they made four Watchers movies, which is really fucking weird when you think about it. It's kind of a shame that uh, I mean I I said it before and I'll say it again. Anton Yelkin was taken too soon. And probably in the most embarrassing way possible. Um, that that guy was fantastic. I still haven't watched Green Room, but I've sort of been saving it. Um, but yeah, yeah, he so, he passed away just a couple of years ago, wasn't it? I'm going to say Anton passed away. Uh, now. It feels like, four like it was five a years, years ago. It was probably something like five or six years ago. Um, I think that he made it through the second Star Trek. I thought he was in Into Darkness, but I don't think he was in Beyond. I'm not sure about that. But one that came to mind for me, and I don't know uh, how much this would factor in, but I, was, I thought of the Sandlot. If you're, if you're thinking about iconic uh, animal villains, that's probably a good one, right? Yeah, a Sandlot. And if we're going to mention Sandlot, then we probably got to mention Stand By Me. Yeah, I thought of Chopper as well. But, I mean, he was such a small part of that that, I didn't want to mention that, but it seemed like the Sandlot, there was like a, a legendary status of that creature. I can't remember what it was called, though. <laughs> oh, fuck. I've only seen the Sandlot once, believe it or not. I've only seen I've it I've seen it several times. I mean, but I, that was also while I was, you know, I was going to say just young and I'm looking it up right now. because I'm, list? I got oh, I got a couple. Uh, okay. One I was going to mention, and I, I know this probably uh, may or may not count, but uh, Hitchcock's The Birds. Like I know that's not a singular monster. We know we we you know or a singular killer, but I mean the the birds has got to be on that list. Of, of, Wasn't that from a, a Daphne Du Maurier story? Oh, I have writer no Rebecca? idea. I'm, I, I think can't I think remember. the writer of Rebecca wrote some little story, and I think that that's important to to realize the impact of that because it was sort of uh, it was a strange departure for Hitchcock, but I think that it sort of had that quality because I think it, for a long time, short stories were being exhibited in like women's magazines. And I think that may have been one that ended up in that uh, uh, invasion of the body snatchers was another one that ended yeah. up in a magazine format. And I think that, that was such a strange departure for him, especially since that, that required a lot of effects work. 
Oh, yeah. It was also a good character study, but uh, I think that they're very, because I was picking my brain thinking about movies that had birds as the, besides the birds, of course, but thinking of birds that were, uh, I mean, except for like Birdemic, Shock and Awe. I, I was just, I was literally just going to mention that. I'm like, do we want to <laughs> like, do we want to talk about this one? I mean, we can. But I, I thought, um, I thought that it was, uh, cause I was, I was picking my brain trying to think of some that had birds in there. And it seems like kind of a missed opportunity. There are a lot of crazy ass. Like I remember the first time I saw how a golden Eagle hunts goats that is the craziest looking shit you've ever seen in your life. Have you ever seen footage of that? No, no. A golden eagle has such a massive wingspan that it flies in and it, and it uh, catches a goat on the side of a hill or a mountain. And it will just grab it and toss it <laughs> out into space. And it will fall all the way to the ground and die. And then it eats it. Damn, that what seems a, a little excessive. <laughs> I mean, you, you've seen that. You've seen that goat screaming on that meme and stuff. Can you imagine that goat screaming all the way down on that one? I mean, Jesus Christ! That's gonna haunt, I, uh, haunt my night, haunt my dreams, and my nightmares. It, but it's kind of funny at the same time. I don't know. The nature can be kind of funny. But I was trying my best <laughs> to think of uh, another film that had bird uh, as the uh, antagonist, and I couldn't think of a damn one. Oh, so I, I guess know. the birds is kind of like it's it's the crowning thing for that. I mean, I, I'm I'm sure if I thought really really hard, I could probably think of a couple, but I'm com I'm coming up snake eyes on that one. I can't think of anything. Oh, hey, wait, that just made me think of something. Not uh, to bring up a multiple snake movies because we've already talked about Anaconda amongst a, a few others. Uh, <laughs> what about snakes on a plane? <laughs> <laughs> oh man that is one of those uh i think that that is a i think if i uh, that would be a fun little segment to try to come up with like the pawn shop all-stars because snakes on a plane stealth there's some movies where you go to the pawn shop and they have honestly got 60 copies of that shit and snakes on a plane is definitely one of those i think that's an idea that I, I think that it could have been so damn chilling if they had taken it slightly more. I mean, but would it have been? It's it's hard to say. If they would have taken it slightly more seriously, and they came up with sort of like a pun name that would have to do with snakes as well as like flying and stuff. I think that you could have made that a chilling thing because if you're stuck in anything with a killer animal, that's going to be frightening as fuck. Right, right. But I think it's like, well, we're going to call it snakes on a plane, and uh, you know. There you go. I just remember the infamous story of like uh, Samuel L. Jackson agreeing to do the movie based on the title alone. And then they tried to change the title on him when they were doing script revisions. He's like, no, I didn't agree to do this movie. I agreed to do Snakes on a Plane. So do you know what the uh, the other names were? I have no idea. Uh, I, I don't recall that from the story. You know what? I'm going to look I, it up while we're, while we're talking. I'm going to look it up. I can, that why not? That interests me. See if I can I mean, find out. It seems out. to me that the, I, I don't know. I, I'll be, I would be lying if I said I had seen that movie. So I would imagine that what, what you hear is what you get. I would imagine that it's not much more than him screaming about the motherfucking plane, uh, snakes on the motherfucking plane. I mean. Yeah, it, it's, 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 it's pretty much like it 
like it sounds. It's it's a snakes on a plane. It's bad CGI. It's two, it's two thousand and six bad CGI, poorly poorly written, and really besides Samuel Jackson and a couple other real small supporting characters, it's pretty poorly acted. It, it's got a small bit part with uh, Lynn Shay in it. And even Keenan oh, Thompson, really? and even Keenan Thompson is in it from SNL, and uh, Keenan and Kel, <laughs> he's in it. But it's uh, overall pretty. pretty I mean, is there bad. any other conceit to it? Is there any other conceit rather than the snakes just being there? No, not really. I mean, it, it's it's just uh, if I remember right, because it's been a few years since I've seen it. Samuel Jackson's either like a cop or an FBI agent. That uh, they're the snakes are like. There, basically, they released all these, like, venomous, multiple venomous snakes to kill, like, the witness that he's bringing back. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's something. But, yeah, they're not just randomly there. I mean, they're they're there for a reason. But, like, other than that, that's, that's pretty much, you know, all you get. But I can't, I can't find anything about what the alternate uh, titles were going to be. It just uh, I did find the story. Uh but it said it was actually that his agent had insisted that the title be changed because he didn't want him to star in a movie with a title like that. When he said, you know, it's like, we're totally take, uh, you know, not going to do that. He's like, I agreed to do the job literally for the title. I didn't even read the script. My guess is, uh, I think enough people went to see it just because they knew that it was going to be absolute ridiculousness. And they probably just said straight up, they're like, okay, Samuel, the budget for this movie is $50 million. We're giving you $30 million. Let's do this thing. And then he didn't even care. It didn't even tarnish his reputation. It was just, you know, one and done. Enough people rented it that it, it wasn't a complete shambles, and that was it. It probably made back what it, what it cost. Oh, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. And it spawned all sorts of loose, you know, there's zombies on a plane, there's or the uh, snakes on a train spawned so many. <laughs> yeah, they like they they have made so many different movies just spun off of that title alone. And he's not yeah. afraid. I mean, he did he did Loaded Weapon One. He did Amos and Andrews. So I mean, he's not afraid. He, he'll he'll do stuff. But um, there was I think one he that takes occurred upon to me. himself to just he you know if if he, he's probably one of those guys that if he, he's not working, he's not happy. There was one that occurred to me that uh, I would have been really pissed at myself if I wouldn't have said something about. And uh, it diverts. I, I think that this is, falls into the realm of iconic rather than singular. But uh, it's a movie that gets a lot of, uh, it seems to show up, at least in like photographic form, like little stills. Like practically whenever you talk about Atomic Age films and stuff. But I think that a lot, there are very few people who actually watch it and realize how much depth and how dynamically interesting uh, the movie Them is. Them. I, I've is only a, seen that once. I've only seen it once. It is a honest. fantastic film. It is a wonderful character study. It talks about, you know, it, it, it has a lot of, um, it doesn't hit you over the head. I, I, I didn't feel it hitting me over the head with the atomic age worry. It seemed like it was an intrinsic part of it, but uh, there was so much to it, and it's been a while since I've watched it, but I, I actually thought about doing a thesis on them, because there was 
there's so much more to it than you would ever expect just by, you know, it's a giant ant movie. What the fuck? Like right, you, would right. totally, you would discount it and go, oh, well, this is a giant ant movie. Who the hell cares? But there's so much more to it when you actually watch it and pay attention to what you're watching. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, there are some people in that movie that deserve an Oscar, which oh, sounds damn. really insane. But as far as I'm concerned, like as an adult watching that movie, you realize that they were actually trying to say a bunch of stuff in that movie that was unexpected, especially I, if I remember correctly, I think there was a little bit about sort of the, uh, the, uh, the usefulness and the, uh, I guess you'd say the equality of value, the equality of skill in the female populace of governmental work. Oh, okay. that was one. Yeah. Uh, did you know I, I was I was looking up as you as you brought it up? Did you know that it was nominated for an Oscar? Uh, you know that doesn't surprise me in the least. Like I I think that it deserved a few because I mean I would imagine it probably has something to do with like visual, right? Yeah, it says uh, for best special effects. Right. So I mean I think that that outweighs a lot of stuff in that movie, but that's definitely not all there is to it. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot going on in that movie. And I think that it shows, if I remember correctly, I thought that it really showed a relationship between men when it comes to um, military service, leading someone to their death. There was a lot to it. I I never discount whenever I see someone talking shit about them or just sort of like sloughing it off as, as just like a giant uh, insect movie. I, everyone that I ever catch doing that, that I'm within arm's reach of, I go, give it another chance because there's a lot more going on in that movie. And if you, if you look at it with uh, a different point of view, you'll, you'll catch a lot of stuff that you know, there's high I, drama. For I sure. actually got to take it back. I did see it more than once because it was on uh Svengoolie a year or two ago. So I, okay. I take it back. I have seen that more than once, but. So I'm trying to think of like and once I saw the the cover art, I'm like, okay, yeah, I get, I I totally remember this movie a little more. And, now. If, and also the uh, the acting pool they had to pull with uh, from they or they they really got some great actors in there too. So yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I love it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll definitely I'll add that to my revisit list. Well, I, I want to say we probably got to wind down here a little bit because I'm running out of I'm running out of steam here. I'm not sure about you, but. I'm, I'm running a little bit. Hey, I think that for doing it uh, like the double blind wild card, I think that we hit the ground running on that little bitch. Yeah, uh, like with the, we without really having any art. notes or anything, I, I thought we did pretty good. I did have a couple movies I wanted to give honorable mention to. Okay. Uh, Slugs, definitely a good one. You from, know, uh, I would have to say that was one where the cover uh, is misleading as hell. Oh, yeah. It has this fantastically gory cover, and like, oh, fuck, yeah, let's do this. And then you're watching, like, ah, oh. he's like throwing slugs at people. <laughs> but I still like it. It's, oh, it's, it's very, very cheesy, but I, I love that one. Another one I like is uh, Squirm about all the, the, the killer earthworms. And sh- uh, that that's a. I think that immensely I've seen weird. the cover art because uh, I have seen slugs. But. But uh, I don't think I saw Squirm. But so that isn't the Suzanne Summers one. No, the Suzanne Summers one was just called Ants. 
Squirm must have a blonde in there that I'm familiar with. Things I, I thought for sure that was Suzanne Summers as well. No, that but was no, ants. You're, you're definitely you're, you're definitely right about the ants, but uh, but the, there's also Empire of the Ants with a uh, uh, God, not not Joan Crawford. Who, who the hell was in that? Are you sure it wasn't Joan Crawford? It might have been Joan Crawford. I thought it was. Might have been. You know, gonna look it up here. Gonna see. Okay, there's there's one. <laughs> Since we're talking about insects, I do not want to let this one go. When Joan I was a Collins. Wow, wow. Well, close enough. Yeah, close enough. Close, different, close different enough. continent, completely different person. Close enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Joan Collins, uh, British version of Tales from the Crypt, Amicus. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh. But, Another one we uh, could do a whole show on. Oh, that, well, you would have to do the Amicus uh, Tales from the Crypt. In fact, if you ever want to do an Amicus series, I'm down. I watched all those portmanteaus, but um, I love that. I love those. But uh, I do not want to, if you're talking about insects, I do not want to miss out on phase four. When I was a kid, I think that I spent a lot of time in the living room watching TV when everyone was gone. Because (laughs) I remember watching all this shit on TV, and I honestly can't remember where anyone in the house was besides me. So I don't know if they went to Sunday school. I think that that's what happened. Because I remember distinctly, at the time when uh, Sunday school was happening, they had two things that abutted each other. It was Kung Fu films and Three Stooges. So that's if, if anybody ever wonders what happened to me, I had all those damn horror books at my aunt's, and then at home, I wouldn't go to Sunday school, but instead I would watch Kung Fu movies, and then directly after that, Three Stooges. That'll tell you anything you need to know about Corey Dawson right there. That, that but, tells you uh, a lot about what you would need to know about me. It sounds like uh, your upbringing, upbringing wasn't too, too far off uh, off track from mine. <laughs> but uh, Phase 4, for years, I looked around to try to find out what the hell that movie was called. Because as a kid, it blew my fucking mind. And it is about these scientists that go out into the desert. And somehow, I think they get locked in this facility, but they're studying, if I remember, I, I, I can't remember, I think it was ants, but it may have been bees, but I think it was ants, because it was out in the desert, and they had this compound that was underground, if I remember correctly, and it blew my mind, because somehow, like, the female, I think there was three guys and one, or two guys and one female, or, or three guys. And somehow, by the end of the movie, she had had this psychic link with the insects, and she oh, had shit. become the queen. <laughs> and she had become the queen, and it was fascinating. As a kid, it was like it was like transcendent because I think, if I remember correctly, it was directed by Saul Bass, who did all uh, he did all the uh, he was more of a graphic designer, and he had done the opening credits for some James Bond, I think. Where it was I, I was like just looking it up, and it, and it was Saul Bass. Yeah, so um, it was very stylized, and it was very transcendent, and 70s LSD culture mixed with, like, mixing the consciousness of insects and human beings, and <laughs> something for a little kid to watch, it blew my fucking mind. So it oh, took me decades. It took me decades to figure out what the hell it was called, but it's Phase 4. I've never seen it, and now that I look at it, I, I recall seeing the poster, because I recall that poster art. 
with the the hand with with the 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 uh, ant in the middle of it. Right. Burrowing, burrowing. So, well, not it, not into it, but burrowing, out, burrowing out of it. But yeah, and it's actually kind of weird that the fact that that's the only film Saul Bass ever directed. The only yeah, feature. Yeah, man, that was just, that was one of those Sunday morning things where I just kind of came across it and I was engrossed. And I wasn't, I wasn't quite. I mean, I was a little kid, so I wasn't quite sure exactly what was happening all the time. But I knew, just like Tron, when I went to see Tron, my mind. I think I told you this story. My mind was so blown at the point where Jeff Bridges gets like taken apart by the computer in pieces. Right, right, right. Laser. When that happened, I ended up throwing up my mom's popcorn because my mind, the implications of all that, blew my mind to the point where I just I threw up, and everybody thought I was afraid of it. I was like, No, no, you got it all wrong. It was just the implications of being t- <laughs> being dissected like that, I guess. Right, and just kind of like rebuilt on the inside of the the machine or whatever. But yeah, that's creepy. That's yeah. creepy. Very. Uh, I don't know that I have any more uh, honorable mentions other than ones I could mention in passing. I mean, Crawl is a good one about killer alligators or killer. Uh, uh, I really wanted to see that one. Does that take place during Katrina? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, I really wanted to see that. I never got. Uh, I just never got around to it, but that was one I definitely wanted to see because it had that simplistic, organic feeling to it where it was like, you know, this could happen to somebody. But then again, I never saw uh, Open Water. I bought Open Water, but I never watched it. And I think I bought The Shallows. I didn't watch that either. The Shallows is not bad. The Shallows is not bad. There is that thing where, you know, I definitely have a thing where I, I, I don't know that I wouldn't be completely afraid of a shark swimming around where I couldn't. I mean, I would love to think that I could just like swim around in the ocean with no thought system getting mauled, but you know, soul yeah. surfer, right? <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I didn't like, I don't know, I didn't like open water all that much. I liked the shallows, I thought the shallows was pretty decent. It was uh, highly implausible, but decent.
That is true. I mean, uh, there. Uh, I have two more honorable mentions if you want to, uh, if you want to field them. Oh yeah, Lay two, two classics uh, would definitely be Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, Giant Squid. Yep, yep. Uh, that one, and uh, Moby Dick, of course. But I mean, I think you'd have to say that Ahab is the uh, the iconic monster in that one. Yeah, but, he's. Uh, I mean, there is, but there's the quest, and there have been deaths. I mean. Moby Dick had a kill count, so I guess that's yep. something too. Yeah, there's more. Everybody, you know, it's like, how's the phrase go? You know, even the hero is the villain in the villain story, or something to that effect. I know I'm paraphrasing it, but too true. You know. I mean, yeah, that, that gets us across. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one more honorable mention at you before we go, and I, I can't believe this one we didn't mention. Think being that we went over arachnophobia. And Kingdom of the Spiders and whatnot, but Eight Legged Eight Legged Freaks. Yep, yep. Eight Legged yep. Freaks. Eight Legged Freaks was such a delight. That was a sheer delight for me because I don't know. It was just kind of a thing. Sometimes when I go buy movies, like I'll, I'll buy nine. I'm like, eh, what's a tenth one? I can throw a tenth one on there. I was like, David Arquette's just kind of like screaming into the cover. Let's get Eight Legged Freaks. Yeah. I think Tom Noonan's in that too, isn't he? Ah. Uh, I- I believe so. I, I, I there was a wrangler. There's some kind of like uh, side of the road animal wrangler. It may have been Tom Noonan. I can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, that I'm gonna look, was I'm gonna look it up a, and verify it. <laughs> a delight is the word I have to use for eight legged freaks. That was so much better than it had any right to be. I do not see uh, Tom Noonan's name in it anywhere. I don't. I didn't recall. There's some guy who was like his name's like. Choctaw Jim or something. He had like a side of the, or maybe that's the guy. Maybe that's uh, Eight Finger Jack from uh, Mask of Zorro. I can't remember who that was, but there's somebody who has his uh, little shop, and I think he had like spiders and snakes and whatnot. Oh wait, wait, wait. Yeah, he's list. I I went and looked at the the full cast list. He's list. He is listed in it, but he is uncredited. Ah. Boom, shakalaka. Yeah, you were right. So I'm sorry. I will amend I'll amend that. You were correct, sir. No problem. I, I am a Tom Noonanophile. I, I love that guy. Although uh, I have to say House House of the Devil, not my favorite. Not my favorite, but not my least favorite either. But I uh, think that it might might have gotten a little bit too much hype for the uh uh for the sort of It it was just an okay movie. It was just uh it's I think it was the throwback. Old. It was the throwback element where people were saying, "Oh man, the eighties are back," and not not so much. However, the innkeepers, on the other hand, yeah, the innkeepers. That movie, movie rocks some serious ass. But I digress. Well, that, dude, this has been a fun one. Uh, I think yeah. uh, it, it was. It was. I was wondering what kind of content we would be able to. To, to literally pull out of our asses, uh, quite literally almost, you know, to being that neither one of us were going to, you know, have any uh, preview to the, uh, the the show topic. But I, I think we did pretty well. You know, I think we covered a lot yeah. of ground. I'm sure we're, I'm sure as soon as we hang up with each other, we're both going to go, Dah. Well, like I forgot I mean, that I, one. <laughs> I, uh, I normally feel that way. I normally feel like, oh, man, I forgot so much shit. But in this case, I honestly think that we – gave people a lot of food for thought because there's a lot of little knowns in what we were talking about though too so i think that there's gonna be a lot of discovery with this one uh of stuff that people may not have 
sunk their teeth into quite yet. Yeah, if I can get, like, one person just to tell me, like, hey, I went and watched, you know, like, something like Man's Best Friend or Cue the Winged Serpent because you guys mentioned it, then I feel like I've done my job. There you go. I mean, yeah, man. I, I honestly, I was actively, as soon as you said what the topic was, I was actively trying to avoid the biggies because I was like, well, everybody on earth is going to talk about this stuff. So I figured, you know, we kind of rounded out the end, got Jaws in there. But before we got there, there was a bunch of stuff. We'd be like, oh, yeah. Or they'd be like, oh, man, I haven't heard of that. So uh, I think this this was fun. A real yeah, good this one. was fun. I think we'll go back to regular form and I'll just surprise you with the next one. That way I can go into yeah. a little pre- prepared. But uh, I think... Uh, we ought to do another wild card one like this, and maybe mix it up every couple episodes. Uh, if you're if you're in it for it, I'm wonder. in for it. Yeah, I'm definitely. I mean, you know, you know that I'm in for it. Uh, I I think that you may have actually. Um, I mean, you were mining. You were seriously mining just from you know, out of your own experience. So, I think you did as well, if not better, with the the double blind wild card night for sure. Yeah, I was kind of worried how that would work out, but it didn't didn't go so bad. <laughs> it went pretty damn good, yep. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I when totally you talk about possible. everything from uh, the prof- the prophecy to snakes on a plane, I think we ran the entire gamut. And you know, of, I of didn't. Uh, I I I sort of want to mention Leviathan, but I think that kind of went a little too. That's a little far beyond what was happening, but. Uh, yeah, that's more mean, almost that's almost like Lovecraftian kind of horror. Leviathan is you're talking about the, yeah, the I, underwater I Deep Star Six clone, right? Yeah, the, I mean D- Deep Star Six was the one out of the three out of the Abyss, Leviathan, and Deep Star Six. That was the one I hadn't seen. I don't think. Oh, Deep Star Six is pretty good. I like Deep Star Six. Is, I remember, I remember liking. Is there what? Is there a monster in that one? If I remember right, I thought the Deep Star Six was about. Uh, I guess I just assumed that it was like a submarine or like a uh, a deep core thing that there was just. I don't know if they just had like a problem down there, so they couldn't get out. I I didn't know if that had to do with a monster or not. Well, I remember there's a big like creature, but I can't really recall like what it is. If it's supposed to be like an underwater creature, or if it's supposed to be like an alien. Mm. I, but uh, I, I just remember liking it. I remember it's it's not very uh, fresh in my mind because it's again this one I haven't seen in a long time. I remember Leviathan was pretty much about like uh, when they drink that what's his name vodka. Daniel Stern drinks the tainted vodka that makes everybody mutate. <laughs> yeah, that that had a really stacked cast too. I think that was Cosmatos as well. Yeah, uh, did did he, did Cosmatos do Leviathan or did he do Deep Star Six? I think Cosmatos did Leviathan and of known unknown origin because Peter Weller was in both of those. Oh yeah, yep, yep, you're right. I like his uh, I like his stuff. Although apparently uh, uh, when Stallone worked with Cosmatos, it was basically Stallone doing the directing. But, uh, yeah, I think I that go, goes with a lot of Stallone's flicks. I think he. And using air quotes here again, he co-directs a lot. Right. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking he did Cobra as well. I might be wrong about that. Oh, you he know, did Rambo no. Part Two, and then and then Cobra. I, I can't remember. We did Rambo Two. 
He did Rambo too, definitely, but I wasn't sure about Cobra. Cobra might have actually had one of those Alan Smithy uh, director names, and it was actually somebody, and then all of a sudden Stallone took over. I can't remember now. <laughs> that that might have been. It was. I it will was forever the, love that movie, though. Oh, I I unabashedly love Cobra for everything that it does right and everything that it does absolutely wrong. It's a byproduct of the '80s. It's a movie that would never be made today, and that's part of the Speaking reason why of Cobra, I love it. Though, was there ever a movie that you can remember of that that had an actual Cobra as the antagonist? There's probably a movie out there called Mongoose or something that had. <coughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know if there's one where there's an actual Cobra as the antagonist. I'm sure there is. There's so many Killer Snake movies. There's got to be. There's got to be at least one. There was a Killer Snake movie that I was thinking of, but the movie itself was actually named after like the backwoods guy that has the snake. Oh, okay. Like <laughs> Jimmy or something? I can't remember now. It was one of those ones where you you get like a compila like a horror compilation. There are like twenty five movies on there, and he's like, "Oh my god, what is all this shit?" Yeah, and then you're just like you watch the same two or three on that collection over and over again, and then you still have the other seven that you never watch. Yeah. Yeah. That's usually how it goes. <laughs> Although I try to, I usually try to choke them all down in the first, when I first get, I usually try to choke them all down no matter what. But. But yeah, but, man, I would definitely say this was a success. I, I actually, I thought of a lot more than I would have expected that I would. So that was good. When we landed on it, I was just like, okay, I, I can probably think of a good half dozen or so. I'm like, we'll, we'll do all right. But we covered, uh, I, I started writing titles down as we were discussing them. And we got a, a couple of dozen that we covered. So I would definitely say that I, um, I am completely lax in the killer animal like the out of the ones that you mentioned, there are so many that I absolutely should have seen and didn't. There's Razor so many that you alligator. you mentioned as well that I know I know I haven't seen. Like Phase Four, like how, how am I familiar with the poster art and know that I've seen the poster but never seen the movie? <laughs> well, when I worked at uh, when Movie Gallery still existed, I worked there, and there were so many movies where I would just walk around like restocking, cleaning. And I would see the cover of some films. That's how I watched Where the Buffalo Roam for the first time. Because I just saw the cover. And as I'd be walking by, I would just kind of like, in my mind, I would just like say, you know, I'm going to rent that someday. And Slaughterhouse was like that. And Madman was like that. There were so many where I just saw the cover. And I just worked there. So I couldn't immediately start watching it. And then, you know, they let us take some home from time to time. Uh, so there was a lot of ones that, you know, so I definitely benefited from, I benefit, it was a benefit and a hazard, uh, when the, the large scale home video thing went under because it was a benefit when they actually went under and I could just go in and just 
buy things by the armful, fill boxes full of films and stuff like that. But it kind of sucks. I, I miss that. Uh, I miss that culture. I, I miss going into a video store on a on a Friday night and being just going through all the new releases, going through all the old horror movies. There was something about physically standing there and being like, yeah, just being in that old VHS PHS section and just like going through everything. It was just, it Although was a different time. Uh, I'm sure that you're aware of it being like the laser disc guy, but uh, if you don't have to do a whole lot of searching and you can find like VHS meetings where they have sort of like convention uh, level people getting together and swapping VHS and <laughs> they're always talking about like okay so what's the mold situation like people are always talking about you know oh yeah uh, storage and all that kind of stuff there's a place called lunch meat that is just a complete uh, supporter of the VHS culture I recommend going there lunch meat is the name of the company because they're they're the I ones who like up. you know they'll They'll sell T-shirts and say like VHS or death and like all that sort of stuff, uh, but it's it's still out there. I would have to say I still have two working VHS uh, players in my house, but I've there are a lot of things that I've been able to find elsewhere, and it, just like the ease of transition. But I, I will never be against uh, having physical media as well as streaming in your house for sure. Oh yeah, I mean I enjoy having. You know, being able to g- grab something on on a you know on a whim and go on to like Pluto or, or Tubi or Prime Netflix, you know, whatever, and being able just to have it instant access. But I have never ever regretted having one or more physical copies of a movie. You know, sure. like I have probably you know five different copies of Halloween two and six different copies of uh, releases of Army of Darkness. You know, because you know it's kind of like Pokemon; you got to have them all, but I, I well, hey, hey Army, but Army of Darkness, goddamn, that has so many permutations of editions with that, though. Oh, yeah. There's so many. Like, you know, what was it? Uh, what do you call the guys? He said, um, uh, listen up, screwheads. Isn't there like yeah. a screwhead edition and ultimate? There's a primitive and... screwhead, screwhead edition. There's a ultimate edition. There's a director's cut. There's a, the boomstick edition. There's actually one called Bruce Campbell versus the Army of Darkness bootleg edition. Yeah, I think I've seen that one before. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, although I, it's a delight listening to the Evil Dead commentary. That's, that's like one of the joys of my life hearing those guys talk about that movie. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, me too. It's just like Evil we, Dead 2. How many have... different versions do, do you need of it? I don't know how many we need, but I want all of them. <laughs> Could we have veered further off topic? It's all my fault. I, I uh, always take responsibility right. for this thing. But well, I, but now that we're going along, though, I am for sure that there. I'm going to think of three, at least three, as soon as we uh, close up shop. Oh, I'll I'm sure. I'm sure I will too. I'll put, but I'm glad. I'll I, but I'm glad I remember Shockma because Lucy and I had such a blast watching Shockma. Because like in the trailer, did you uh, did you end up watching the trailer yet? No, no, no. I bookmarked it so I could watch it. The the trailer at one point in the trailer, the narrator just starts shrieking Shockma. And uh whenever I see Lucy, every once in a great while she go, Hey daddy. And I go, Yeah. She go, Shockma. She does it all the time, man. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Uh raising them right, right? 
hey, there are some times that I'm slightly worried, but hey, it'll it'll smooth itself out because she's still watching Liz. Uh, is it Liv and Maddie? Liz and Maddie? Something? I don't know. This absolutely mind-numbing Disney fair or Disney uh, Channel fair, uh, like kids, like kids based sitcoms on Disney. It's mm-hmm. enough to make your brain run out of your ears. <laughs> so if she has like those two ends of the spectrum, she'll land somewhere in the center and it'll be okay. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, sir, I think uh, we'll put a pen in this one for the evening. My eyes are, are, are about ready to pop out of my skull here, I think. <laughs> but it's been a fun one. And uh, who knows what we'll, what topic we'll pick next, but I'm sure it'll be a real hum. God only knows. God only knows. You said you had you had something like more than three dozen. So I mean, Jesus Christ, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I had an e- I had an even forty, and I, and I came up with another one while we were uh, talking. So we're up to a total of forty one. Lord have mercy. They'll probably be like, yeah, best Italian apocalyptic wasteland films or something. I don't know. <laughs> that may or may not be a topic. I'm not going. Warriors uh, of the wasteland. <laughs> Warriors of the year 2000. Uh, <laughs> that being said, sir, I'll let you get back to doing what you're doing. And uh, did you have fond farewell. And folks listening at home, you have been listening to Without Warning here on Cinema Degeneration Network. Uh, please uh, subscribe to our Podbean page and our account. Subscribe, like, share. We're everywhere fine podcasts are found and sold. You can find us on Stitcher. Uh, Spotify, Pandora, iTunes, Google, you name it, we're there. So seek us out, find us, drop us a like, subscribe, and all that good happy horse shit. We would happily, happily appreciate it. But thank Phantasmagorical. You. <laughs> Phantasmagorical. Yeah, we well, say I was we trying to, at first I almost said Excelsior, but that's been taken. Or, you know, I don't know if they resold it, but. <laughs> I was gonna say I was also gonna say spoon, but that's also been taken too. So, fantastic uh, oracle. I, I do love answer. a good tick reference. I could lo- I love a good tick reference. Hey, what can I say? Yeah, spoon. I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, folks. We'll bid you a fond farewell. Thanks as always for listening. have dialed is not in service at this time.